Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. which is the easiest answer, is necessarily the only answer. Rick, I just, I, I just as, a, as, a, as a public health and public service announcement uh, for the audience, the difference wait, between wait, a big all, box retailer... Who is this? Hold on. The difference between... <clears throat> the, oh, who else? The, different, who the else? difference between who a else? big box retailer... Hold on. The difference between a big box retailer and a restaurant, or frankly, even a, a church, are... So different, it's unbelievable. Going into a big box retailer, I disagree. You're wear- I disagree. You're wearing you can a mask. have your thoughts and I you're can have mine. You're required to wear a mask. I disagree. I, it's science. I'm sorry. It's science. If it's you're wearing a mask, science. it's a different story. 500 people in a Lowe's aren't any safer than 150 people in a restaurant that holds 600. I don't believe it. Sorry. Don't believe okay. it. And I you, live in an area don't... where there's a lot of restaurants that have fought back and they don't have any problems. And they're open. Okay. You don't have to believe it, but let me just say this. You're doing a I disservice to the viewer because the viewers need to you understand it. You are doing it. a disservice we, we are to the viewer. You are. You are. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, 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 I, I would like to keep our viewers as healthy as humanly possible. The idea of packing people into yeah. restaurants. I think our viewers are smart enough to make part of those decisions on their own. I don't things. think that I'm much smarter than all the viewers like some people do. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I came in to get stuff for that. And I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this. Has approved this being set up for this being set up for for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me. And they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. (laughs) They have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive. My staff cannot survive. Look at this. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, That's safe. This is safe? 50 feet away? This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under 
And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. The details on why the judge said no. Marius, uh -huh. is everything okay? Okay. My government leaders have abandoned me. Are you are you the owner? Four trillion dollars of stimulus money. They gave it to who? Special interest groups and campaign donors. I'm Dave Morris. I own the place. So what's going on? What's going on? You know what's going on. Tell me. You tell me. Hey, we got a government that has taken the stimulus money. They gave it to special campaign donors. They gave it to special interests. They abandoned me, and they have put me in a position where I have to fight back. Okay? So do you feel that this is the right thing to do? Absolutely. I feel everybody needs to stand up. Hey, listen. There was enough money to give every family, every family in this country, $20,000 to go home for two months. They chose to give it to special interests and campaign donors, the Kennedy Space Center, and they abandoned us. So you could have given me money. I'd gladly walk away for 60 days and let this virus settle down. I'm not going to do it alone. Okay? Are you going to continue to violate the state's orders and this stay open? This is a state order. This isn't an order. This is a conspiracy. This is a tyranny. What do you want to tell other restaurant owners who... Wake up. Stand up. This is America. Be free. I got patriots coming out supporting me. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 8th of December, year of our Lord, 2020. And I originally was going to have a horn sound. This is our 500th episode. Crazy. Crazy amount of episodes. Going to do an upfront of a little catch up on COVID, a little bit of election stuff, not a whole lot. And then we're going to bump into some looks backs on skits, which we got a new skit. I think it's pretty funny. I hope you do too. Some of the old skits and some of the favorite subjects that we've covered over five years and 500 episodes. I know that intro was a little long. I mean, I wanted to start with a, you know, good reference. That's our media and that's normal people. I mean, we have stuff that is going on that, you know, I'm not going to cover. Like Tucker Carlson last night, a teacher fired because she posted anti-Biden stuff. I'll wait for next podcast, but we have so much crazy going on in our society, and I usually don't delve into conspiracy theories, but there was a segment last night on Tucker that, you know, right off the bat, here is what's going on in our society. So I want to set the table before I literally play the soundbite. Rita Panali. So Instagram put a warning fact check on a Trump post paying tribute to Pearl Harbor. Joe Biden is a projected winner of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Sources. Reuters. He is saluting the wall of honor at Pearl Harbor. Why? 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 Why do you need a warning for that? Why is that something that's going on? If you look at our society, 
and really think about what's going on. And and this this segment really hit me, and I just watched it, so I'm still kind of hit by it. Think about what the left does. The left goes and says, well, we want power, and we can't always get power, because still we have a majority 70% white country who is pretty conservative, and 60% of the country believes in a god, and you know, we don't have the prog utopia we want. So we go and brainwash kids in kindergarten. We take over the colleges and start pushing all our Kool-Aid on everybody. And our media will come along because our media is mostly progressive. Our, our print and TV. Hollywood's mostly progressive, so they're going to push whatever crazy thing we come out with, you know, so let's just use three-year-olds that can pick their own gender and should get uh, life-altering hormonal treatment. You know, they'll buy all that and we push it out. And then we have business that's tied into it. And then you have a Tucker Carlson segment on a Chinese professor saying that we have people all the way at the top and, oh, by the way, we elected Biden now. Many of the very people who ranted so hysterically about Russia were, even as they were doing it, even as they were yelling about Vladimir Putin, in fact, they were doing precisely what they claimed to decry. They were working on behalf of a foreign power, our chief global rival, the government of China. The Russia hoax effectively was a diversion. It hid something that is not a hoax at all, but that is real and threatening to all of us. We're going to spend the foreseeable future reporting on the relationship between America's political and financial elites and the communist government of China that has made many of them very rich. But we want to start tonight with evidence, with a remarkable video. This video was recorded a little over a week ago, on November 28th. The man you're about to see speak is a professor from Beijing called Di Dong Cheng. The video comes from an appearance that he made on a Chinese television show about Wall Street and international trade. Di Dong Cheng works at Renmin University in Beijing. He is also, like so many in academia in China, a servant of his country's government. This video was deleted from Chinese social media soon after being uploaded, and there's a reason for that, as you'll see. Then 就是我们在美国的全市核心圈啊，我们有我们的老朋友。There's a lot of garbage floating around on the internet right now, a lot of fake things. That video is real, and those subtitles are accurate. We checked today with two different Chinese speakers and confirmed that. What he just said, what you just read on the screen, tells the story. This is as close to a smoking gun as we have ever seen. Quote, we have people at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence. 
According to the man you just saw, that has been true for decades. So who are these people and how many of them work in our media and in our government? Well, he didn't say precisely. At one point in the video, he described a Chinese agent working as a vice president at, quote, a top Wall Street financial institution. I can't say more, he explained, without making political trouble. Di Dongsheng did tell his audience that one agent in particular was especially useful, and he goes on at some length about her. He describes her as an American who's lived abroad for many years, who is now a Chinese citizen. And this seems to baffle him a little bit. The Chinese government doesn't allow dual citizenship. Why would they? Why would anyone? Di Zhongsheng seems pleased that the U.S. government is foolish enough to allow it. He explains that this American agent, who lives at least part of the year in Beijing, helped the Chinese government with a propaganda operation in the city of Washington in 2015. And he goes on to describe that in some detail. The Obama administration was easy to manipulate, he suggests. They helped. The Chinese had many friends among the Obama people. The problem came when Donald Trump was elected. After that, he says, everything changed.但问题是零八年之后华尔街的地位下降了更重要的是一六年之后华尔街搞不定特朗普为什么很尴尬特朗普以前对华尔街有过一次软性违约所以双方有矛盾啊当然这个细节我就不说了时间可能已经来不及了
，谁帮他建的基金公司啊？明白吗？这边都有买卖啊。那么，所以这个时候啊，这个时候我们。Oh, Donald Trump, he notes, because the Chinese do pay close attention to what we say here. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. Those are real, he just confirms. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Why big business aligned as one, the tech companies and the rest, to suppress that story. Because they were implicated in it. Back in October, we interviewed a man called Tony Bobolinsky. We interviewed him because no one else would. Tony Bobolinsky was a business partner of the Bidens. Here's what he told us about China. And in a document that you guys have, and、uh, I think it's been provided to you know to the world, the Chinese referenced that because of their trust in、uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are、uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they referenced loaning five million dollars to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. What are the implications of this going forward if Joe Biden is elected president, which could very well happen? How does this constrain his ability to deal with China? Are you asking for my personal? I、opinion? am. I'm asking for your opinion as someone who's worked with the Chinese. So I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised. I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised with China. Looks like he was right about that, and it looks like the Bidens are far from the only ones who've been compromised. Gordon Chang has been covering this story for an awfully long time. He's a senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute. He's the author of the Great U.S.-China Tech War. That's pretty shocking, and it's not disputed on Twitter. They dispute it because you can goddamn guarantee they sit and watch every Tucker Carlson thing because Media Matters is linked in with all of them. It's part of their fact-checking operation. They would have got a Chinese speaker to check and see if he's full of shit, and it's not. And I know you can't see the words, but basically, it kind of ties in that our government is very, or the Democrats in our government and our business are very tied in. Now, if you look at every decision businesses have done, it makes total fucking sense. I'm not going to Alex Jones on it. They want money. Walmart, all our big manufacturers, the NBA needs China. That's their biggest money revenue. They make money in China. They don't make money in America, and they've totally alienated the American watchers. That's why they're by the end of their championship, nobody was really watching. So they dxed all the Black Lives Matter shit. It's almost like all of this is interconnected, and that sounds like some moonbat tinfoil hat shit. But I never really played along with the China stuff from Trump and MAGA and all that stuff. I I I know they're communistic pieces of shit. I've read the entire book, this this kind of war, from front to back about six times, and I know how evil China is. I by no means think they're good people. They're communist pieces of shit. They would take over the world they can, if they could. But it makes me wonder about the election, and the establishment, and how 
When Democrats are in office, they're very nice to China. While the whole time they're talking about Russia, 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 to deflect from their dirt with China. And what if Trump wasn't just rattling off like a xenophobe? The tariffs alone were huge for our businesses. That'll all go away with Biden. And I believe 100% the whole story with Bobolinsky and all that. Biden is compromised. If you go back to the Clinton administration, they had issues with China and financing. And it really makes you think for a second. So I wanted to get that up front, even though it's eight minutes long. That's some shocking stuff. Right now, they own 100, I think it's 1,000 acres at the end of an Air Force base, China. That was allowed. So they can just sit there and watch our technology. And it's clearly obvious if you've looked at any, if you've dealt in this at all, they have stole so many proprietary things from our country, it's not even funny. So more to follow on the China, because... Now my interest is peaked, and now we move to COVID. This week was pretty shocking. I want to start with Yashar Ali. He he did something, and I replied to it. He didn't reply back. The fact that Congress did not pass standalone bill to get America's checks during this pandemic is an absolute disgrace. And fuck your that's not how it works bullshit. I know how it fucking works, and I know what's possible. They just don't give a fuck. His second tweet, a one-page bill could have been written over the weekend giving every American a check, let's just say 1200 The one-page bill could pass Congress on Tuesday and be the president's desk. Why isn't it happening? They're not scared of their constituents. They should be. My reply, this really to me as a non-mega independent is on the media. To protect Dems, they won't say list of the far-left writers slammed into those $1,200 checks that's holding them up. They just blame cons. Election's over. They got their president. Media should do their job. But they didn't. They'll never do their job. Auxiliary topic that goes really well with this. Motorcade Joe Biden has arrived at downtown Willington Delaware Theater. He did not respond to questions shouted from distance. He was not wearing his walking boot cast and walked gingerly into the theater, reports Radio Pooler and Stephen L. Miller. Five days ago, the media reported that Biden's doctor said he would be in a walking boot for several weeks. He took it off after two days and appeared not to be wearing it at all. And yet no shout pieces about listen to doctors or what is Joe Biden hiding? How odd. Because it would be odd that we're not doing that. Listen to medical expert thing anymore after the near fall of the Republic when the doctors at Walter Reed changed his diagnosis. Do we remember that? They wanted to defund Walter Reed. And Stephen L. Miller misses the whole chain. Obama, or excuse me, Biden, what's the fucking difference, said he was playing with his dog. Then the story changed to he was in the shower and he tried to grab his dog's tail and hurt his foot. And then he was caught using his booted foot as the fulcrum to get over something, 
which you don't do if you have an injured foot. The injured foot goes first. And then he just took the fucking thing off. When anybody who's watched the West Wing goes, was this just all so he could look like the West Wing? Because there's so many references in jerk porn for libs that, oh, this is just like the West Wing. He's an older guy, really smart, surrounded by young talent. And the opening scene of West Wing is the president crashes his bike. Hurts his foot. But our media's garbage. And it's portrayed, as I'll play another long soundbite, of what Pelosi said this week, but what our media reported. There'll be a pause. Not to accept half of a loaf months ago. When you said, I'm not going to accept half a loaf. Let me tell you something. Don't don't characterize what we did before as a mistake, as a preface to your question, if you want an answer. That was not a mistake. It was a decision, and it has taken us to a place where we can do the right thing without other, shall we say, considerations in the legislation that we don't want. Now, that is it. Now, the fact is, I'm very proud of where we are. My chairs, my chairs have worked very hard on all of this. They were not even happy with a a proposal that we made the other day before we saw this proposal. They thought we had come back too too small. So it's not about an individual. It's about how we address the needs of the American people. And we have to do it in a scientific way, and we have to do it in a way that recognizes People need food on the table. They need to get their rent paid. They need money in their pockets. They need their unemployment insurance to be there. They do not need a whole cacophony of other things that are on the agenda that have nothing to do with meeting their needs. So we're very pleased at where it is. And as I say, with a Democratic president committed to a scientific solution for this, with the idea that we will have a vaccine, it's a complete game changer from them. We're going to turn out to some politicians behaving badly. A case of do as I say, not as I do, so to speak. So the mayor of Austin is under fire right now after telling his constituents to stay home because of the pandemic. And then he went on a vacation to Mexico. T.J. Holmes is here with more. He's not the only one out there. Okay, so let me be clear here. The Austin mayor didn't tell people to stay home and then go on vacation. He told people to stay home while he was on vacation, chilling in Mexico. And he is not the only one here. Only politician who says to all of us, do one thing, then get caught doing another. Growing outrage this morning over one Texas politician's decision to defy his own advice to stay home. As COVID-19 cases rise across the country, Austin Mayor Steve Adler has urged residents not to travel. And we need to, you know, stay home if you can. Do everything you can to try to to keep the numbers down. This is not the time to, to relax. Turns out he sent that message, not from home but while vacationing with his family in Cabo San Lucas. And Adler isn't the only one. California Governor Gavin Newsom called out for violating his own guidelines by attending a birthday party maskless and not social distancing. As soon as I sat down at uh, the larger table, I realized it was a little larger group uh, than I had anticipated. Denver Mayor Michael Hancock also apologized for jumping on a plane to Mississippi just 30 minutes after urging people not to travel for Thanksgiving. 
Later tweeting, I humbly ask you to forgive decisions born out of my heart and not my head. And guys, Austin, Texas, Travis County, while the uh, mayor was on vacation in the month of November, their COVID cases quiet. Last thing before we go tonight, as you watch the following clip, please remember, Americans are now dying at the rate of one per minute. Please remember, we've lost over 270,000 of our brothers and sisters, people who were here with us when the year began, people who will not see another New Year's Eve. Here now, a moment of clarity and awareness that took place on live TV, on the president's favorite morning show, Fox and Friends, and this happened this morning. Ultimately, right now, what's going on with the pandemic is, and we don't know exactly how many people may have been infected over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, uh, but the number of cases in our hospitals is going through the roof. In 41 states, it's going up. Uh, I read a great survey, and, and a, uh, a, a, they looked at the scientific data in my home state of Kansas. In the month of July, they, they had a statewide mandate for masks. Now the problem with Kansas was some counties would actually enforce it and other counties would not. In the counties that enforced the mask mandate, mandate the number of cases of coronavirus actually went way down. And in the counties where they did not enforce the mask mandate, it went right way up. Really? Yeah. Huh. You just have to do it smartly and do it safely. It means, apparently, masks work. Apparently, masks work. A breathtaking moment of situational awareness on live television this morning. Ten months, 270,000 lives into this. And this is important. In the rush to a vaccine, in our rush to get life back to normal, to have a spring and summer in 2021 that feel like spring and summer. It's important we never forget who the deniers were because those 270,000 mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, husbands and wives, they ain't coming back. So it's incumbent upon all of us to honor their memory. That is our broadcast for this Tuesday evening along with our thanks for joining us on behalf of all my colleagues at the networks of NBC News. Good night. On New York's Staten Island, police arrested Danny Presti for trespassing in his own bar and violating a state curfew. We wanted to bring awareness to what's going on to all the businesses. The idea is to get our livelihoods back. Um, we need to be able to provide for our families. Around the U.S., a backlash, not just against what many see as arbitrary rules, but a double standard. We need to, you know, stay home if you can. Do everything you can to try to, to keep the numbers down. This is not the time to, to relax. Now we know that video from Austin Mayor Stephen Adler was recorded in Mexico, where he flew on a private jet with eight others, following a wedding with 20 guests, while the city discouraged gatherings of 10 or more. Last night, he issued this mea culpa. I'm sorry I took that trip. Uh, it was a lapse in judgment. Adler becomes the 12th Democratic official caught saying one thing while doing another, often in violation of rules what the actual fuck? Article, breathtaking and sinister. Nancy Pelosi just admitted that she was willing to risk American lives and livelihoods to get Biden elected. Pelosi has held out for a big deal for six or so months. She said this morning that now that Biden's president, she's willing to do a smaller deal. People's replies, so it just came down to politics. So pure politics. 
breathtakingly sinister. It was all politics. Pelosi sacrificed the businesses and jobs of millions of America to help Biden win. Stephen L. Miller, now that we won the election, we'll stop hurting people is quite the message. Politico. During her weekly press conference today, Speaker Pelosi told reporters that the stimulus deal will get done before Congress leaves. Reuters, Pelosi cites momentum on coronavirus relief bill. Twitter, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi receives criticism from conservatives after COVID-19 relief bill delay. AP, House Speaker is optimistic about prospects for a COVID-19 relief bill. The $908 billion bipartisan plan she's endorsed as a foundation for the bill marks a significant retreat from where Democrats stood before the election. That is about as hard as you can get out of them. And the Reagan Battalion, not a single tweet from Glenn Kessler that she actually admitted, hey, I only did this for politics. The next soundbite, snake oil peddlers were more honest than Democrats. No government, no matter what party or country, could stop any virus. This is what she said on December 4th. Joe Biden committed to ending and crushing the virus and having a Build a Better America initiative, Build Back Better, a vaccine, answer to our prayers. Joe Biden. Hey, Joe Biden didn't do it. Trump did with warp speed. He got zero credit for it. And you have people trying to still dog him for it. Here's NBC getting caught lying that he didn't order enough. And then some stupid shit out of Americans governor about De Niro or something. We're going to begin here with that headline late today that Pfizer offered to sell more doses of the Pfizer vaccine to the U.S. earlier this year, but that the Trump administration said no. And now the New York Times reporting that Pfizer might not be able to get the U.S. more doses until next June because of other countries that did buy in. The Trump administration responding tonight and this evening, a spokesperson for the Department of Health and Human Services downplaying the news, saying they have five other vaccine candidates. But this could bring real questions and... Tens of millions of Americans may have to wait longer, months longer, to receive a COVID vaccine because over the summer, the Trump administration passed on buying more doses from Pfizer. For months, the president has touted his efforts to deliver on a vaccine. Vaccines are on their way at a level that nobody ever thought possible. But tonight, the New York Times reports and ABC News has confirmed that Pfizer offered to sell the U.S. government additional doses of its COVID-19 vaccine late this summer. But the Trump administration turned them down. They decided to buy only 100 million doses from Pfizer, enough to vaccinate 50 million Americans, because a full vaccine requires two shots. By contrast, the European Union bought 200 million doses from Pfizer with an option to buy more. Pfizer may now not be able to provide the additional doses for the United States until June. 
U.S. officials involved with Operation Warp Speed tell ABC News they didn't want to buy more vaccine from Pfizer until they were sure that it would be authorized by the FDA. They also say that combined with vaccines from Moderna and other companies, they will have enough vaccine to make sure that every American who wants to be vaccinated can be by the middle of next summer. Paul, I want to ask you about the vaccine portion of this, because there's some reports out there that the White House could have purchased more doses of vaccine but didn't. What do we know? That's right, Nora. The New York Times is reporting that over the summer, Pfizer offered the Trump administration additional doses of the vaccine, but the government declined. And now, reportedly, Pfizer cannot provide those to the U.S. because they've already been allocated to other countries. Now, the White House is pushing back on this report. Pfizer tells CBS News it cannot comment on confidential negotiations. Tomorrow, President Trump is expected to hold a summit to promote the vaccine, but Pfizer is not expected to attend, and neither is Moderna. I think your voice on saying that the vaccines are safe uh, would be important. I said that as soon as uh, the vaccine is deemed ready and safe, I'll be the first one to take a vaccine. Uh, maybe we enlist you. I'll do it with you. We'll do an ad telling New Yorkers it's safe to take the vaccine to, uh, to you know, put us together. We're like the uh, modern-day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be which whenever, whichever you want. You can be the De Niro or Pacino. <laughs> Fauci and Cuomo, I'll give you a friend. Who, who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want I to be? I love them both. <laughs> I love them both. I don't want to insult one or the other. If I say one, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the other. Yeah. So Who's the politician? All right, last question. I know you're down in Washington. You're doing great duty, but I know you miss New York. Uh, what? We want to figure out what to send you from Christmas for Christmas. What? food do you miss the most that you can't get down there that you could get if you were back here in New York and Brooklyn? You know, Governor, whenever I need some comfort food and I dream back of my days in the Bensonhurst section of Brooklyn, the thing that comes to my mind are two things, a nice Nathan hot dog and a really... What the media doesn't want to talk about is their culpability and fear-mongering that everything Trump does is evil. They've done it for fucking four years. Here's just a few stories. Weird way to talk about Kamala Harris, Jake Tapper. Fears how mega leadership will handle mega folks who refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Tapper already beginning to see the beginning of mega folks going from give Trump credit for the life-saving vaccine to no way am I taking that vaccine and I fear how mega leadership might respond. Stephen L. Miller, weird way to talk about Camelia Harris and links an article, Camelia Harris on COVID vaccine, won't take it if Trump tells me to. Blacks are saying they won't. There's whole articles about POC, we're not taking it. And the reason why is Muskegee, the government, because all these liberal cities are going, we're going to give it to POC first. Well, that goes back to, uh, for not Stonewall, but freaking Tuskegee, where they actually were given placebos to watch people get full-fledged, what was it, syphilis? But they've fear-mongered. Sister told you. 
So weird you fear that considering your network promoted and actually encouraged vaccine conspiracy theories for Democrats like Amelia Harris, who deliberately sought to undermine Trump prior to the election, Jake. Contra Jake, antidote, the stat poll demonstrate the largest spike in vaccine skepticism this year came from among minority respondents after Camelia Harris's remarks. Another, remember when Jake was concerned after various Democrat officials expressed their unwillingness to take the vaccine? Yeah, me either. Melissa McKenzie gets more in depth. Cuomo, Biden, Kamala, all cast doubt on the vaccine. I've seen zero prominent Republicans speak responsibly like this. Randa accounts on Twitter don't count, Jake. And Lizzie, shut the fuck up, you pathetic hack. Camilla Harris cast doubt on the vaccine. You did, didn't any concern. Piss off. Piss off. That's why I started with Rick Santelli going the fuck off. Now, all of a sudden, that Biden's in charge, CNBC, yes, your boss can fire you if you refuse to get a COVID vaccine. From their report, one of Dallas labor and unemployment attorney Roji Dunn's clients in the restaurant sector thinks a compulsory inoculation requirement could be a game changer for business. They think it gives them a competitive advantage. They could say to their customers, hey, our restaurant is safe. All our employees have the vaccine and maybe in part a PR tactic. But Dunn said it's totally within employers' right to implement this kind of requirement. Under the law, an employer can force employees to get vaccinated. If they don't take it, they can fire them. Envision's reply. Good thing I'm free to work wherever I please. You can't do that. You can't just fucking fire people. I mean, you heard the business owners up front. Most of them would probably take it, but they're not going to make their people. You can't make people do it. But they won't give up the ghost. Now, they need to scare people to do it so Biden can get credit for everybody getting vaccinated. New York Times op-ed. It's time for some sharp, focused, terrifying realism. Eli Klein, one of the most disgraceful COVID articles ever written, appeared in the New York Times today. It's time to scare people about COVID. Another message could feature a patient lying in an LC or an ICU bed, immobile, tubes and groin. She writes, as cases were mounting in September, the Michigan government produced videos with the extortion, spread hope, not COVID, urging Michiganers to put on a mask for your community and country. Forget that Mr. Rogers type nice isn't working in many parts of the country. It's time to make people scared and uncomfortable. It's time for sharp, focused, terrifying realism. I'm not talking fear-mongering, but showing a straightforward and graphic way that we can hap- what can happen with this virus. Another message could feature a pi- patient lying in an I- ICU bed, immobile, tubes in the groan, with a mask delivering 100% oxygen over the mouth and nose, eyes wide with fear, watching the saturations number rise and dip on the monitor over the bed. It's fucking Orwellian. Newsman Nahas, a despicable article by Rosenhall Health. Her thesis is that reasoning with people is not working, i.e. some people have different values from her, so we must circumvent their rational facilities and scare them. 
Her anti-science demagoguery would have made Saddam blush. Another reply. The recommendation of this piece are really counterproductive. Behavioral science can weigh in more expertly, but there's a lot of evidence from past infectious disease emergencies that fear and its byproduct stigma hinder people from doing the good things. I could keep reading, but I won't. It's fucking horrible. People are fighting back because of the next article. Orwellian. Alex Macalon. If you have an iPhone, go to settings to turn off COVID CA notify app. You'll then be opted in to the program of notifying you of potential coronavirus exposure. California Gunner and Kavanaugh Newsom worked with Apple and Google on this technology. And it's that shit that you got whether you wanted it or not. We covered it. Tracker. So they could track your movements. And anybody got COVID, they could come to your house and say... You can't leave your house. But when you have the other side come out, NBC edits video of restaurant owner exposing NBC comedy catering. That's what it was. The one I played, the lady. That was their shit. SNL's got an exemption to have in-person operation. So, of course, we got the Christmas. They're trying to cancel Christmas. They want Christmas done. You heard it in the soundbite. They really love you. That's why they're doing it. Representative Jim Jordan. Dr. Falke says America should avoid travel over the holidays. What will he cancel next? Saying Merry Christmas? Kirk Eichenwall. As someone who's lost a family member, as a direct result of people like you, if you contract COVID, it's my dearest hope that you suffer as much as many as so many have, so many have died alone, afraid, no one, no loved ones near them. How can you psychopaths not care? This many died today in a picture of people in a theater. Sergi Hashami, deleted, but the list comes for all. This is Kirk Eichenwall. This is shocking. More Americans have died of COVID than the combined number of Jews from Germany and Austria who died in concentration camps. Yeah, he went there. He went there. It's like the new religion. But you keep having integrity issues. The numbers are lies. I mean, here's a study. Shows likely, um, new study shows how unlikely you are to catch coronavirus. In Europe, 487 people got it from a gym. And it's so counter to what we know. A person like me who's obese, technically, I'm not super fat, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm a chunky man. You're more likely to get the virus. So being in shape stops it. But you cancel that. And then you have uh, Joe Concha. Same thing in New York City, where studio audience are allowed to SNL, but Broadway and restaurants suffer. SNL is allowed a live audience because it's a Democrat super PAC, people say. They literally closed down a street to film what I'm sure of was some things that were aired on Thanksgiving. And Bow Ratcliffe sums it up. Freedom is now being dicted to certain people, and that's the problem. 
Everything about this has been political. From Nancy Pelosi's, I'm not going to pass the bill unless you do all my liberal shit. To liberal people can protest, but conservative can't. And then you get into the teachers. And before I even talk about the stories, because it's fucking disturbing, this is a teacher in Portland, Oregon, walking up on a lockdown protest. These teachers' things are just insane. Chicago's Teachers' Union. Deleted but not forgotten. Branson Taylor. The push to reopen school is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Teachers' Union are a threat to the livelihood of kids. They do not have their best interests at heart. All they care about is how to steal your money and do less than bare minimum. Followed by them praising themselves... As if they're heroes. Ish the dish. Been feeling this lately. We can discuss the merits of reopening, but the conversation cannot be rooted in white supremacy. White folks questioning BIPOC's intelligence, especially women of color, ability to understand science. The coded languages is hella out of pocket. Are you serious? You cannot be serious. You all should teach children. You should not be able to teach children because you're morons. Curtis Hoke. Then why are minority parents suing in California saying virtual learning has left their children behind? You say you care about students, but you clearly don't. Time to end public student or public school unions. Not own. Blue check angry that cackling fascists are salivating over the death of a teacher who died of COVID. Dan O'Sullivan. 43-year-old beloved math teacher, only 43 years old, died of COVID senselessly because teachers were put in harm way for no fucking good reason other than scum like this guy want all parents back at work sick and dead. Alec McGinnis, many of Baltimore are mourning the loss of this admired former city teacher at age 43 to COVID, but tweets like this are deeply irresponsible. As the article notes, Mr. Ball was no longer in the classroom. His last job was doing virtual instruction for a school in Harlem. From the ARC article, most recently, Mr. Bull left the Baltimore Public Schools and taught briefly in Baltimore County System in Washington, D.C. His last post was virtual instruction in Harlem. Others, Bethany Mandel, does it seem relevant? He didn't get it all in his capacity as a teacher? No. Article says he was teaching virtually, idiot. Very sad. If you read the article, you'll know. Do you normally salivate this much about black man's death as an opportunity to own the libs, albeit on the basis of no evidence? 
People start attacking her. The Fash found this tweet and are having a lot of fun cackling this beautiful man also had diabetes. Even virtual reopening required teachers, including my family, to reenter society needlessly. School years should have been canceled. Everyone paid to be at home. I'll go further. Actually, if a public school teacher got COVID this year, it was a fault of our political class. Virtual teaching requires a great deal of teacher interaction with the outside world. So you're a fascist, this blue check says, because you point out that the left lies about every facet of COVID. To include stimuluses. And then you get the article. And I'm just going to play his own words. Um, I've spoken with the leaders of the unions. And... um... And I've, uh, there is a clear plan that's been laid out. We can safely open those elementary schools where the highest risk of people transmitting the disease, number one. Number two, we can make it safe for teachers if we invest in what needs to be done. Number one, sanitizing the schools. Number two, making sure that they have ventilation. Number three, making sure there's smaller pods of children meaning you need more teachers. you got to pay for this stuff. It was estimated that we could open those schools for somewhere around $100 billion nationwide. That would be the cost for a year. So money. Yeah. Corey A. D'Angelo, the highest risk of coronavirus transmission is not in elementary schools. But, Joe, follow the science. I'm not going to read anymore. It's about money. They got him elected. He's got to get money back. To them, this is how the left works. Not saying the right doesn't work that way, but this is how the left work. And while they're, as we'll see in this America, bashing Christmas and the war on Christmas has started, Stephen Haberman just saw someone post this on Instagram. This is still happening, I guess. The tree was a great idea. The mass truthers have discovered this tweet. I'm going to bed. Did you also complain about riots and protests asking for a friend? The Grinch. Getting close to the tree versus getting really sick. Risk reward is unbalanced. It's just a protest and such. They're instantly immunity. A beautiful Christmas process. Mostly peaceful. And that's not the point. The point is, if you want to do it, you're killing grandma. But when NBC wants to do their tree lighting, oh, we have no mass problems. I mean, people are getting so bad. Here's an African-American, normal person. I went to his Twitter site, and he's pretty liberal. A blue whale's anus can stretch up to three and a half feet, making it the second largest asshole next to Gavin Newsom. Yeah. That's, That's a blue check, normal person. Who's a liberal? It's once again about credibility and the fact that you have politicized fucking everything. Everything is politicized. Which brings us to our skit and our first break. For the first skit, I sat and commiserated about doing just a fun Christmas one. And then I decided to do, what if uh, a bunch of liberal shit happened in the break room at Santa's workshop? 
And it kind of morphed with the help of my wife to a Biden administration now being in charge of Christmas. So, Alexandra Ocasia Elfish goes the North Pole, and it sounded a little like this. Okay, elves. Okay, let, let, let's settle down. As you know, since there's a new president in America, there are always changes up here in the North Pole. With the 2020 election, there are major changes. So I've asked our new Biden administration appointed HR elf, Alexandria Keza Elfish, to come and brief you all by shifts on the new directives from Washington. AOE, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. Claus. Over the past four years, the previous administration allowed way too many things to happen to lift. It has been a dark time for the world, and we are here to make things right again, and we will build Christmas better. are necessary to bring Christmas to a more fair and equitable process for all children of the world. So starting Christmas 2021, we will give all children a present. Naughty or nice is not inclusive. So we must include all children in gift giving or no gifts at all. Next is toy categories. Those will be scrapped. From now on, we will not issue toys based on what they ask for, nor their gender. Toys will be given as they come out of the sleigh. Gender is a social construct, so blue or pink ideas need to just go away. As we move forward and build Christmas better, we will also, next Christmas, issue a gender pronoun coloring book to every child in the world. It is important due to bullying, not brainwashing. Oops, did I say that out loud? It is important that every child understands how important it is to accept that a three-year-old can pick their own gender and be called whatever they want. Also, that they should be able to change their sex through hormone treatment and reassignment surgery. Next, we need to look at the impact this operation has on Mother Earth. We must have a green new Christmas. I thought we wanted a white Christmas! And it has to be implemented not only in the operation of this toy factory, but also on how we make and distribute toys. Due to their racism 
until March. Nail them back to the North Pole, and they will be recycled back into the system for next year. We'll do a quick cleanup. Those toys will go to different children, but they'll be white kids, so they really won't notice, for they're spoiled and have white privilege. And before you ask, of course, POC children will always get brand new toys that we will make from scratch. I think she sounds like a racist. Give it up, bitch! Lastly, due to years of patriarchy, the very systemic racism that is truly rooted in the legend and myth of Santa Claus. It's why we have slavery. That's right, Santa really brought the world slavery. And it's permeated through the millennia. Next year, we will have a new Santa. Santa Chantella, will you come out, please? Hey! That's not even an elf. Chantella, or Santa Chantella, is of African-American, Puerto Rican ancestry. She is transgender, her pronouns are it and that, and she's also disabled, or as we say, able, for we chopped her leg off to ensure she fit in many categories. So sadly, Santa, you're fired. Get that bitch! Just like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the year Silver bells, silver bells Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast Civil rights groups and lawmakers uh, t- 
pushing you to do this, uh, to make, make sure that you make good on your promise. Uh, and you look at your cabinet announcement so far, and they have included some diverse figures, but I specifically want to hone in on those big four. And so far, uh, when it comes to Secretary of State and Treasury, you have nominated a white man and a white woman. So looking at Attorney General and the Department of Defense, would you commit to nominating a person of color for those positions? Can you talk about specifically what you have done over these past several weeks to actually work with Democrats and Republicans speaking to congressional leaders to um, get them to agree on a stimulus package. And what do you say to people like Senator Sanders on the left flank of your party who have come out against this stimulus program already? They have said that this $900 billion deal is not good enough. You talked about getting it into African-American and, and vulnerable populations. You said yourself that you're willing to get the vaccine publicly to get people to feel safe. But there are people already telling me, well, President-elect Biden has good health care. If there's some complications, he might have better health care than me, African-Americans around the country. What more can you do to convince people that the vaccine is safe for them? And does that mean you'll at all lean on any existing members of the Corona Task Force? I know that you have committed to keeping Dr. Fauci, but is there Dr. Burks? Is there anyone else that you might be leaning on to convince people? And I also wanted to ask you about your relationship with Senator McConnell. I know the two of you have a long history of actually working together on various deals. Have you talked to him since the election? And given the partisan nature of, of Congress right now, how do you convince him that it's in America's best interest to work with you going forward? The Retrumplicans. Um is the worst that we should expect to see out of your uncle between now and the end uh, just a, a fl frenzy of weird pardons and maybe a self-pardon? Or do you think he has what it takes to tell people to resist the inauguration? I think we, we have some glimpse of what he's capable of in uh, what's going on down in Georgia. An election official in Georgia, who from what I understand is a Republican, mm -hmm. has made plea to Donald and Republican leadership to stop sowing doubts about that election because it's putting people's lives in danger. So what does Donald do? He doubles down. He doesn't care. You know, he's going to do whatever he needs to do to change the subject, to keep people on his side, to keep people believing that he actually won an election that he lost by at least 6 million votes. So, we need to uh, be on our guard and continue not to put anything past him because, yes, the pardons are demoralizing. Uh, they're a disgrace. And his, you know, attempt to preemptively pardon his children and himself, you know, we'll deal with that when the time comes. What I'm much more concerned about is what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, so we just need to we need to be vigilant. Get the book out. It's coming out in July. You may want to rush it because we're living that consequence right now. By the way, Natasha, the gift you get for being an ardent uh, President Trump supporter or friend is a super spreader event at the White House. They're planning all sorts of Christmas parties. Your parting gift will be exposure possibly to coronavirus as Chris Christie had from a different super spreader event and spent time in the hospital as Herman Cain had from a rally and died this is what they're planning. I mean, it's it's beyond it's it's sick. I mean, it's sick that they're now exposing their friends in this reckless way to this. It's a slap in the face to all Americans. I'm thinking about 
more than 274,000 Americans who've died. Uh, we have people who have family members who are fighting for their lives right now in the hospital. We have Americans who made sacrifices this Thanksgiving, who didn't see family, who missed these precious moments. And from the top down, we're not getting leadership on this. So it's completely embarrassing. Um, but I think it also reflects that from the very beginning of this pandemic, we have been getting mixed messages, and that only extended uh, this endless year, you know, the pain that we've gone through because people were confused about what to do. And, you know, the fact that Mike Pompeo has any role in this, I mean, this is the same person who joked about a second Trump term, you know, so he's just a joke when you think about the fact that he is uh, even a part of all of this happening. And and, and we know that the, the guest list, you know, uh, reaches the hundreds. Uh, we've been told that people will social distance. We all know what happens at a party. People are going to be hugged. In, they're going to be kissing. And so, yes, another super spread. That is our team Biden. Yeah. They, they just love this guy. And it's coupled with CNN over there with the, well, they should work, but they won't. And now they're, they're starting to set the table for Biden with the Republicans aren't going to help them. So, John, um, listen, and, and I, every time I ask this question, I wanted to come off the wrong way, and I've been told that I sound like I'm, you know, I'm the biggest skeptic and that I'm a Debbie Downer. I'm just, I hope that it does work. No, I really do. I hope that Joe Biden can work with the other side. But given everything that Susan just said and everything that Ron just said, how does, how does he do it? How does it? I hope it works. I really do. But how does he work with, you know, Republican legislators who are wanting to turn over and, and Da, da 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 I hope he can do it again. Let me just say for every, anyone who's watching, but I have also been doing this job for the last 12 years, and I see what's happening. Go on. Well, uh, I, I think your skepticism is well justified, and the record of the last 12 years is one of blowtorch opposition from Republicans to Democratic presidents. There are a couple things that are different this time. First of all, Joe Biden is a white man. Uh, Barack Obama's race uh, played a role in the intensity of the grassroots and the uh, uh, opposition in Washington to what he was trying to do, so that makes a difference. Secondly, temperamentally, he's very well suited to make the attempt. And he's put every foot right so far in trying to uh, turn down the temperature, drain the energy from some of the animus. We saw that in his interview with Jake Tapper, where he was expressing understanding with Republican senators, the position they're in, why they haven't come out publicly. That doesn't mean it's going to work, uh, but at least he's in a position to uh, make the attempt. I do want to button up, uh, in one sense, the point that Susan was making. In her terrific piece, she poses the point, either... President Trump believes what he says, in which case he is crazy, uh, or he is ice-cold cynical and trying to uh, peddle uh, these lies to his benefit. I think we shouldn't forget that Ted Cruz in the 2016 Republican primaries uh, squared that circle. And what he said was, Donald Trump is a pathological liar, but the moment those lies come out of his lips, he adopts them as his beliefs. And uh, what we've seen is that many Republicans are willing to do precisely the same thing. I think Joe Biden is going to set an entirely different tone. He's fundamentally an honest person. He's fundamentally a decent person. And we'll see whether uh, honesty and decency and rationality cuts any ice with uh, some increment of Republican senators necessary to get things done. Boy, what a great conversation this was. And I'm, John, I'm glad you said the first part about Joe Biden being a white man. I didn't want to go there. 
But, I mean, they may feel like he's one of them. They know him. He's Joe, you know, from the old days. And maybe they may want to work with him. And if that's the reason that they work with him, then so be it. I hope, I hope it happens. It, it's a different Senate, I think, than when Joe Biden was there. It's a different Senate than even when he was vice president. Okay? And when he was vice president, the, this, the Senate, not the same people, but many of the same people, refused to work with him. Right, said that his boss or the president wasn't even born in this country. Said they were going to make him a one-term president. Right, refused to work with Obama. Mm -hmm. And then the last, over the last four years, still continuing to call, you know, them saying what they did was wrong, that they, um, you know, spied on them and they tapped him, whatever. And then now refusing to say that he is the president-elect of the United States. He beat Trump by more than seven million votes, but people still don't believe it. What makes him think? that this Senate is going to work with him. I, it would be great. I think it would be great. He has to reach out, but is this, is, is this a reality? Is that ever going to happen? Um, and, you know, and so I think if anybody can, it's probably him and that he's going to try to do that. And, and as the president of the United States, he has the bully pulpit. And a lot of a lot of the job of the president of the United States is to change the way things operate, to change mm -hmm. the way people think about things. And so he's going to tr that. I think that is what he's going to try to do. That's what that is what he ran on. I'm not sure that's what seven million people voted for, because we, we all remember what happened with Obama, and Obama lost support. The core of the party was upset because they said, Mark, they're never going to work with you. He continuously, in his first term, tried to work with the Republicans, and they kept stonewalling him. And out of that frustration, that's when he had to do all of these executive orders because they would not work, mm -hmm. they wouldn't work with him. So what makes Joe Biden think it things are... So Thomas Friedman, you've been on the receiving end. How does it work when, uh, when Biden just calls you up? Uh, did you ask for this interview? Was he out seeking your advice? How did this work? Uh, I actually asked for it um, and um, was pleased that it came through, Brian. And, um, you know, to pick up on Evan's point, you know, one of the most striking things in, in talking to the uh, president-elect, and you saw this in the comments on the column, is how many people said, I forgot what it was like to listen to a president who was not entirely self-referential, not entirely, um, uh, you know, ex exclamatory, uh, not entirely, you know, uh, promoting fake news, just a sound, sober, thoughtful conversation about the big issues of the day. I forgot. The other thing that really came through to me is that um, we, we are really lucky, I think, uh, to have a president who's just really hard to hate at a time when our politics is so infused with hate. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I think is going to do him and, and the country well, I hope, in the coming months. Do you have an impression that he reads the New York Times, cares about your columns, cares about, as Evan said, the classics in media? You know, yeah, I, 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 I fortunately, I actually traveled to Afghanistan um, uh, with Joe Biden when yeah. he was head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, so I, I've known him for, for a while. Um, He's a man who's curious about the world, um, who's informed about the world. But again, to pick up on something Evan said, there's just an adult nature about him. He kind of he's wise to all the shtick out there. He he's he, he doesn't chase every rabbit. Um, uh, there's a maturity to him um, that uh, I, I hope we'll benefit from as well. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, when they don't get things done, it's not because those things are super duper extreme. It's because Republicans are obstructionists, even though, I mean, what the fuck could Trump do for the last four years?
his own party was fucking with him. But we start our media section, as we always do, with just the incredible bias. Um, Curtis Hawk, compare this question from CNN Biden correspondent Arlen Sanchez, who's done nothing but parrot talking points, to the president-elect and this one exchange in April between Acosta and President Trump. The CNN follow-up was even bigger softball, asking me he would commit to nominating a person of color. These Biden reporters are like contestants on a group date during an episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette. They're theoretically shoving each other out of the way to try to outdo themselves and sucking up to them. Yamichi Alcindor is absolutely beaming. That's your tax dollar at work. Tim Sawyer. Where's all the hysterical press screaming at Biden's serious softball questions to Joe if he dodges the questions he does regarding how speaking to Senator Majority Leader? There was no follow-up. Joe just smiling as if to daring the reporter repeat the question. Biden pointedly did not answer the question about McConnell. CBS News, President-elect Biden has asked if he reached out to Mitch McConnell to discuss COVID. We'll be in dire trouble if we don't get co- cooperation, Biden replies. I believe we will. And he never said anything. So I decided, let's just take it to the next level. Let's play them back to back. So here's just one reporter with Biden. And here's Trump with Acosta from his very first in a 2018. Do you see a difference? Mr. President-elect, one of the biggest tasks that you will have when you enter office is distributing a vaccine. Your team has started to meet with the Trump administration to learn of their plans as you are set to inherit this task. Are you satisfied with the current plans that are underway for distributing that vaccine? Do you feel that the federal government is doing enough at this point? And what steps do you think need to be taken between now and when those first vaccines go out? And on your cabinet, you are facing a lot of pressure to add more diversity uh, to your administration. You have civil rights groups and lawmakers uh, pushing you to do this, uh, to make sure that you make good on your promise. Uh, And you look at your cabinet announcement so far, and they have included some diverse figures. But I specifically want to hone in on those big four. And so far, uh, when it comes to Secretary of State and Treasury, you have nominated a white man and a white woman. So looking at Attorney General and the Department of defense, would you commit to nominating a person of color for those positions? Yeah, please. Just wanted to follow up on uh, my colleague's question about Russian interference. Can you pledge to the American people that you will not accept any foreign assistance in the upcoming election? And on this idea of a purge in your administration, uh, there was recently the departure of your acting DNI, Joseph McGuire. You replaced him with your ambassador to Germany, Rick Grinnell. Uh, Some of your critics have uh, pointed out that Ambassador Grinnell has no intelligence experience. How can you justify to the American people having an acting DNI with no intelligence experience? Okay, first of all, I want no help from any country, and I haven't been given help from any country. And if you see what CNN, your wonderful network, said, uh, I guess they apologized in a way for didn't they apologize for the fact that they said certain things that weren't true? Tell me, what was their apology yesterday? What did they say? 
Mr. President, I think our record on delivering the truth is a lot better than yours sometimes, if you don't mind is, me saying. Your, let me tell you about your record. Your record is so bad, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You have probably I'm the not worst ashamed record. of anything in our You probably have the worst record ashamed, in the history sir. of broadcasting. As far as uh, uh, McGuire is concerned, he's a terrific guy. But, you know, on March 11th, his time ended anyway. So his time came up. So we would have had to... By statute, we would have had to change him anyway. So the well, your new DNI have experience I in think, the intelligence yes, field. Yes, in fact, we're talking to five different people right now. I think all people that you know, all people that you respect, and I'll make a decision probably over the next week to two weeks. We have some very good people, but uh, Joe McGuire is a very excellent guy. He's a very good man, and his time was March 11th. I believe it was March 11th where he would have had to leave. Was he but forced out because he wasn't sufficiently loyal to you? No, not at all. Not at all. He was pushed out because, frankly, he wasn't pushed out. He would have had to get out. On March 11th, he would have had to leave. But we're going to be making a decision on DNI very shortly. Thank you, sir. Yeah, please. Uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if you don't mind, Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an as invasion. As you know, Mr. President, caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. I why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants in not this election no, to try I to want keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need right. the people. Your you know, campaign... Wait, your campaign. Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of you miles away. That, that's not an invasion. Honestly, you know what? That's not an invasion. Honestly, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. Right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much better. If I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, I didn't, that's well, I enough. I was going to ask one other. The other folks that's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if I may ask, on the Russia investigation. Are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may have Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what. CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts well, his Well, I'm not a big fan of us. yours either, so I understand. to be honest. So let, me, so let me ask you a question if I can. You repeatedly you said... Are, you are the best. Mr. President, you repeatedly, over the course okay, of... Okay, just sit down, please. Well, when you, when you report fake news... No. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot... You are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President, over the, course, over the course of the last several days of the campaign, sir, sir, at the end of the campaign, you repeatedly said that Americans need to fear Democrats. You said it would unleash a wave of violent crime that endangers families everywhere. Why are you because pitting very Americans? Weak on crime. Why are you pitting, why are you pitting Americans Peter. against one another, sir? Peter, what are you trying to be him? No, Peter, I'm just asking just, the question. Let me just tell you. Very simple. Because they're very weak on crime.
question. Go since ahead. You're, no, Mr. President-elect. Go, go ahead. Mr. President-elect, ahead. since you are attacking no, our news not you. organization, not you. can you give us a chance? Your organization you're, you're is terrible. You are attacking our news organization. Your organization is terrible. Let's go. Let's ask a question, sir. Go ahead. Sir, quiet. Can you stay, quiet. Can, Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Can you she's stay she's asking a question. Don't Mr. be rude. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. Can I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You, can you, stay categorically, you are fake news. Sir, go ahead. Can you stay categorically that nobody. No, Mr. President elect, that's not right. Jim, we've seen your, your videos, and I've, I've been to these events too. I've met with countless yep. Trump supporters. Even I was shocked at the level of vitriol that was aimed your way last night. Give us an idea yep. of what it felt like to be in the middle of it. Well, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. Uh, I, I don't know how to put it uh, any more plainly than that. Uh, Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. Uh, but unfortunately, what we've seen, and this has been building for some time since the campaign, I've been, I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign, when the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on, and then he rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. And, we, you know, we have these these bike rack-like uh, barriers around the press cage, as we call it, uh, to protect us, essentially, from people who might take things too far. My, my sense of it, Essie, is that, the, that these opinions that these folks have at these rallies, they're shaped by what they see in the primetime hours of Fox News and what they hear from some conservative news outlets that just sort of give them this uh, daily diet of what they consider to be terrible things that we do over here uh, at CNN. It's mm. very unfortunate, but it's, it's, it's a pitting of American against American. Yeah. And honestly, it needs to stop. Last night you tweeted, uh, I'm very worried that the hostility whipped up by, by Trump and some in the conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. We should not yeah. treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Um, you know, Trump's been bashing the media for a while now. What makes you think... It's at this sort of uh, pivot point now, this really dangerous pivot point. Well, I, you know, I think it's been dangerous for some time. I was worried during the campaign mm. that a journalist was going to get hurt. Yeah. And it, it has been building. Uh, but when you refer to the members of the press as the enemy of the people, you're essentially putting targets on our backs. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to follow up on, uh, on Sarah's question from NPR. She asked you about Ivanka Trump's statement that the press is not the enemy of the people. And she asked you whether or not the press is the enemy of the people. You read off a laundry list of your concerns about the press and, and things that you feel like are misreported, but you did not say that the press is not the enemy of the people. And I, I, I think it would be a good thing if you were to say right here uh, at this briefing that the press, the people who are gathered in this room right now, uh, doing their jobs every day, asking questions of officials like the ones you brought forward earlier, are not the enemy of the people. I, I think we, we deserve that. I think the president has made his position known. I also think it's Would ironic. Telling us, I'm, I'm Sarah, trying to answer you know, your question. Okay, well, I, I it, politely waited, and I even called on you, despite the fact that you interrupted me while calling on your colleague. Well, I said it's ironic. Which is why I interrupted. I'm trying. But if you, if you finish, yes. if you would not mind letting me have a follow-up, that would be fine. But it's ironic, Jim, 
that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, the media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of, you brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection. The media continues to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in this administration, and certainly we have a role to play, but the media has a role to play for the discourse in this country as well. And, and sir, if you don't mind, if I, if, wait, hold on, if I may follow up, if I may follow up, excuse me, you did not say in the course of those remarks that you just made that the press is not the enemy of the people. Are we to take it from what you just said? We all get put through the ringer. We all get put in the meat grinder in this town, and you're no exception. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I wish that that, that had not happened. But for, for the sake of this, this room, the people who are in this room, this democracy, this country, all the people around the world are watching what you're saying, Sarah, and the White House for the United States of America, the President of the United States should not refer to us as the enemy of the people. His own daughter acknowledges that, and all I'm asking you to do, Sarah, is to acknowledge that right now and right here. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. Um, I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. I'm here to speak on behalf of the President. He's made his comments. You know, it starts, I could have just played for the Biden section, Mr. President-elect. It's like she was talking to the high school quarterback. I told you this was going to happen, though. I mean, I really did, over and over and over. We're getting back into the respect, the office of the President of the United States. The fuck is wrong with you? That's the office. You don't have to like the man. You don't have to like the politics, but you need to respect the office. And we didn't even start off. And I don't want to hear, well, Trump was unprofessional and he attacked them. Fuck that shit. He attacked them because of their coverage and he stood up for himself. I'd ever rather have a president attacking a little twat like Jim Acosta than a fucking president wiretapping Fox reporters. Obama did that. The entire goddamn media complex just yawned. And then I said this was going to happen. And he, he, he said it out loud. If we have a disagreement, I'll just hand over the reins to Kamala. But all kidding aside, the first lady to be told me she holds them for you. Yes, she does. But not with she's because she, she and yeah, Kamala have become friends. Yeah. But all kidding aside, it's, it's a matter of the thing, we are simpatico on our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach, approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have, and when we disagree, it'll be just like, so far, it's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C, or D. And I'll say, I, don't, I like A, don't like B and C. Mm-hmm. And let's go, okay. But, and I, like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. 
Um, we, we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't. And we discussed at length mm -hmm. our views on foreign policy, on domestic policy, on intelligence. And the great thing is she has a background in the Senate on intelligence, the Intelligence Committee. She has a background in the Senate on a whole range of things that are going to be pertinent to what we have to do. But it's going to be, I think so much is going to be incoming, Jake. Yeah. It's a matter about who, 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 who takes what when. Uh, I don't need to tell you, uh, Mr. President-elect, that the NAACP... I mean, really think about that. We went through Darth Cheney, and that was a huge deal. But that's okay. We got uh, Paul Gossner. I'm asking him to explain what he meant. Cindy Buschili. Joe has no clue what he says. He doesn't know what he just said. He doesn't even remember saying it. There's so many funny things I could spend an hour on. What's horrifying, I mean, absolutely horrifying, is that no one cares that he said this. This wasn't news, boys and girls. Not at all. They're too busy doing this. Brian Seltzer, in light of multiple crises Biden is inheriting, Jake Tapper asks, what does it feel like? What's the emotion that goes through you? The first words out of his mouth were, I'm determined. A whole article. She's with Bruce. Well, as long as it's about the emotions run through the executive and how determined Joe is, I'm sure we'll be fine. So much journalism. This article, fangirling so hard, Jake Tapper and Brian Seltzer celebrate the incoming Biden-Harris administration with a very normal tongue bathing. And they didn't make a big deal about what he said either. Then you got Ian Milheiser, journalist. I hate Trump for many reasons, but one is we never got to properly mourn Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was the greatest lawyer of her generation. She achieved revolutionary change through the sheer force of reason. And the pain of her loss was overwhelmed by the fear of the future. That's an actual tweet. And then, of course, we co we covered the Washington Post. They're too busy going, hey, you're a Republican. Is Biden president? So here we go. <clears throat> the fine coward, Matthew Van Roher, a liberal. Where Republicans in Congress stand, who won the election? 25, Joe Biden. Do you support? Nine. If Joe Biden, 30. 222 cowards. That's today's GOP. Pathetic psychopath cowards willing to flip the country into fascism and destroy the American. My dad went to World War II to defend. This is Tom Hartman, a moonbat lefty. Just hang on to their own privilege and power because they wouldn't answer. Byron York, alternative headline. Just 2 out of 249 Hill Republicans say Trump won election. Just 8 out of 249 support Trump continuing election. Would have been interested to survey House Dems on similar questions in 2016. Because basically, nobody answered it. They just ignored the stupid. People start piling on. It was only four years ago, Byron, we were there. We remember how it went down. Hillary conceded almost immediately, and the Democratic members of Congress acknowledged the outcome. So it knocked it off with this weak-ass gaslighting. We also remember hashtag resistance and the effort to arm twist the Electoral College into voting for Hillary anyway. I remember Martin Sheen and entertainers trying to convince electors not to elect Trump. I also remember this. 
Oh, and the media talking about impeachment an hour after inauguration. There were calls for impeachment the day after the election. Congressional Democrats openly and vocally boycotted the inauguration. Democrats went after Trump personally every day. You'll be fucking lucky if we just ignore Biden and Democrats. Hillary wouldn't even come out at night. People just go on and on. Funny, but Lib's throwing 24-7 tantrum, he's not my president for four years, is hardly conceding. Hillary has never stopped whining. Oh, spare us the noble acceptance. We listened to screaming, crying, stomping his feet. I thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Impeach 45. Get in their faces. Defund the police. I mean, this thread goes on and on and on. And I'll go through the whole thing next podcast because it's so fucking good. Because there's such fucking hypocrites. The reality is nobody. 27 people responded. They ignored you. And you're ignoring the election. Here's Ruby bragging about it and CBS literally mocking a witness. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Hey, Dion. What's going on? How are you? <sighs> yeah. So, I got a lot of work to do, y'all. So, I'm working seven days a week. But I'm getting it done. I was out for 10 days. Because I ain't like the way things were going. So I just said, mm. yeah, anywho, I'll see y'all when I see you. But I'm back. Ready to work. I'm going to let y'all see this. Okay, don't say nothing. That's what's going on at Fulton County. Voters registration. Sir, can I have some work? It's been 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Uh-huh. That's all you give me. I'm going to give you but five. <laughs> I come to work, y'all. And they talk about me. Oh, they talk about me. I don't care. Because I told them. I didn't want to work. Oh, Dion, thank you. Thank you, love. When I didn't want to work, I took off for 10 days. Now I'm back at work. Give me some work. Because I come to work. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're going to give me... Oh, you just gave me one. God bless you real good. Thank you. I want to give you two. I ain't trying to overwork you. Overwork? Ain't no such thing. I'm going to be here till 7 o'clock. Okay. But Melissa didn't spend the whole time accusing poll workers of messing with the vote count. She also accused the legislatures and ghosts. Are we saying that the poll book is either wildly off or that they are, that they are filling in names? It's wildly off and dead people voted. My question is... Why we're not seeing the poll book off by thirty thousand votes? That that's not the what case. What did you guys do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it?
Why is she biting her lip? What crazy thing does she think they did to the books? What did you do? Did you take the books to a fancy hotel room, order some strawberries and champagne, give it a little back rub, and then do something crazy to it? Kind of thing your boyfriend Brian is too scared to try. I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Did you? At last night's televised hearing, Giuliani introduced a star witness who ended up going viral because of her attitude. We're not seeing the poll book off by 30,000 votes. That, that's not the What case. did you guys do? Take it and uh, do something crazy to it? She concluded her testimony by saying, I would like to speak to America's manager. I'll wait. This morning's eye-opener is presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle insurance. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. I see Dunn, okay. Stephen Colbert. I knew guys when I watched her yesterday, Colbert, Corden, Kimmel, all of them are going to have a field day with that lady. It was the way she talked like that and the way she moved her head. Stephen's absolutely right. She was annoying. Fucking garbage. They're just fucking garbage people. Just fucking garbage. They got people sending foreign, I mean, everything. Michael McFall. Here's Joe Biden's foreign policy. Everything back to Obama, bow to the world. NBC, Casey Hutt. This is one of my favorite. President-elect Biden has asked if he reached out to Mitch McConnell. We covered it. Casey Hunt. Joe Biden wouldn't say if he talked to Mitch McConnell. I'm just struck by the reality that we'll now have a president who, as a rule, doesn't lie, even when it might be easier. Jerry Dunleavy. Imagine being a journalist and praising a politician for not answering a question. He didn't answer the question, Casey. Mike Gonzalez, politician refused to answer journalist's question. Journalists met melts in admiration, and they wonder why confidence in the press is down. If Trump didn't answer that question, you know what would have happened? Other replies, an NBC reporter is praising Joe Biden for not answering a pretty straightforward question. Refused to answer question? A truth teller. Reporter lauding powerful person for ignoring question. Another at J School's finest. Beyond parody, it's almost false flag level. I'm just struck by your ability to type this while kneeling at an altar. <laughs> but they have no clue what people think. Ted Cruz, a beautiful day in South Texas. Keith Oberman's a beautiful animal. Let's kill it. You're not a human being because you're a human-shaped pile of dung. I bet shooting an unarmed creature made you feel better about yourself, Ted. You're a monster. It goes on and on. They just attacked him because he killed a buck. But then Jason Rance brings us back to what they also won't cover. Anna Fagoon attacks pro-police anti-lockdown activists with bear spray in Olympia today. But ended up getting beat up and pushed back because it's hard to get quality strength training session in when you spend half your time in your mom's basement. Multiple fights fought, broke out. My favorite was this one. I was corrupt. You wouldn't be able to see it anyway. It was an Antifa guy who punched a Trump supporter and then just got wrecked. Because he might have weighed four pounds and I think he was wearing a skirt. Yeah. Probably shouldn't fight in a skirt. It, it could be me. I don't know. I'm 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 not an expert on these things, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. I surely did.
Um, but they're still fighting everywhere. Then you have a TV star attack non-liberal with hate fit thing. The podcast is by Jason Bateman. Sean Haynes and Will Arnett is described as a show that connects and unless people form a walk of life to learn about shared experiences. The host idea of shared experience sadly is showing that cancel culture and slamming anyone who doesn't identify as liberal. The show's latest chat with far-left comedian Sarah Silverman touched a modern comedy rule. For example, Arnett brought up a tricky bit from Silverman's Comedy Central sitcom involving AIDS. It's not that kind of material here on a broadcast sitcom. Someone might get offended. Silverman recently seemed poised to speak out against cancel culture rules, fearing a candid rant. Without a path to redemption, when you take somebody, you found tweet they wrote seven years ago or things that they said, and you expose it and say, this person should be no more banished than forever, they're going to find some place where they are accepted, and it's not going to be with progressives. If we don't give these people a path to redemption, then they're going to go where they are accepted, which is a motherfucking dark side. She reversed course, echoing her previous stance, comedians must listen to younger generation. And then it goes on and on, and in there, Will Arnett, a guy I liked, talks shit about Trumpers, and now I won't watch any of his shit. Then you got more My Kids Said bullshit. Nate McMurray, I saw a huge truck with a Trump flag flying. I was in the same lot, so I couldn't resist. I drove over, and against my better judgment, asked him, Why? I expected a burly-looking dude. Let me just say, that was not the case. He scurried off, and I thought, oh, that's why. Did this happen? Pie chart? No. No, it didn't happen. No. And then we have outright fucking campaigning. This is from MSNBC. They're campaigning for the two Senate seats. And we know that you're reunited with the cast of Veep for a virtual table read on the, on Sunday to benefit America Votes. So can you tell us about that? Yes, that's going to be this Sunday, and we're uh, we're all getting together to read a particular episode of Veep that we made back in 2016, but has uncanny resemblance to uh, this most recent uh, presidential election, and. Um, and so we thought it would be really, really fun to get together and read an uncut version of it. So there'll be a lot of material in it that, that isn't actually in the finished version. And uh, all to benefit America Votes in Georgia, which um, is a marvelous organization about educating voters, informing voters, helping people to, reminding people that if you're under the age of 65, you have to re-register to get your mail-in ballot. And they're getting all that messaging now, which is critical, of course. So um, we're really happy to be helping them out, and uh, it should be a gas just to get together and read it. It was a really funny, uh, this episode in particular, really funny. It's a mother episode from season five for those of you who might want to watch in advance. What? So, As someone who covered this election and is still covering it because they're still fighting about it, I'm very much looking forward to this, a little, a little <laughs> bit of a break from reality. So you've got some big guest stars who are joining you. Who's in the lineup? Yeah, we do. We've got Stephen. We've got a few people come in to help read various roles. Stephen Colbert, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, Patton Oswalt, Mark Hamill, uh, Beanie Feldstein, uh, Don Cheadle, and Paul Shear are all very kindly coming to help us out and uh, have a good laugh. I think we're we're all still a little surprised that reality is matching Veep. <laughs> 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 
Let's talk more about this with Tiffany Cross, MSNBC's newest anchor and, of course, the author of the book, Say It Louder, Black Voters, White Narratives and Saving Our Democracy. Tiffany, before we get into it, I just want to say congratulations. We're thrilled to have you as a colleague. Well, thank you so much, Casey. I've appeared on the screen with you so many times, and I'm thrilled to be able to call you a colleague. So I really appreciate that. Now, we can't wait to see uh, what you're going to do on Saturday mornings. Um, Tiffany, let's talk about Stacey Abrams. Uh, she tweeted uh, that in the last 24 hours, a million voters have requested their ballots in this race. Or I'm sorry, she tweeted that in the last uh, 24 hours. A million people asking for ballots. That seems to say a lot about the enthusiasm. Stacey Abrams has done a lot of uh, work on the ground, and so that's why you're seeing this groundswelling of so many people uh, requesting these uh, absentee ballots. I think victory is certainly possible. You have to also consider the disinformation campaigns being run by the Republicans. That's only hurting themselves. There's also discord within the Republican Party in Georgia. Kelly Loeffler uh, was, by all uh, evidence, a carpetbagger. I mean, she pretty much bought this seat by uh, flooding millions of dollars um, into the GOP pockets there. And so I do think that you can see victory happen uh, on, on the Democratic side in Senate. Let me ask you about Raphael Warnock specifically, because it's really unique that, that we have uh, a, a black candidate who is facing this uh, runoff with an electorate, as you say, uh, that is more and more engaged. What do you think it means to them to have Warnock on the ticket? I think Raphael Warnock has done a great job in combating some of the Kelly Lockler ads. He had that great ad where he was walking the dog uh, and just, you know, kind of got ahead of some of these uh, asinine attacks that we've seen um, come out of uh, some of the re Republican campaigning. Tiffany Cross, thank you uh, so much for your insights today. And congratulations on the new show again. While... Thousands of people are getting sick and hundreds of people are dying every day uh, in, in states like Georgia because of the pandemic. It seems like the local government is only concerned with oppressing and harassing people who are trying to protect everybody's right to vote. Uh, there's a recent story about an investigation into voter organizations and get out the voter organizations in Georgia. What's going on with that right now? And, and what, how is that being perceived on the ground that in the midst of this health care crisis, they're still trying to keep organizations from getting people to the polls? And I think that investigation by Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is proof that, like, even though Democrats and folks who are critical of President Trump have praised the Secretary of State for, you know, standing up for the integrity of the election, this investigation he's launched shows, you know, he's still a tried-and-true conservative. He um, has a lot of policies and thinking and proposals that have frustrated organizations um, that are on the ground, particularly those that are focused on uh, Democratic candidates or progressive issues. And so this investigation is about organizations that have sent mailers and postcards encouraging people to register to vote. And um, he's insinuating that some of those were not in good faith. But again, it's not illegal to send someone a postcard, you know, even if they don't need to register to vote or, you know, if they're not even if they're gone or incapacitated, but that's what he's insinuating. And that shows that, again, he is still a conservative. He's still a Trump supporter, even if in recent days he said things that have angered President Trump. Aaron, and, and I, this is what sort of galls me, that the moment any sort of Republican says something reasonable, right, just, just reasonable, like, hey, maybe you should stop encouraging death threats against state officials, or, hey, I did a paper recount and there was no fraud here, they're still dedicated to the same racist voter suppression tactics that they were engaged in before. 
every answer was one of three things. Radical, liberal, Raphael Warnock, as Ryan pointed out, socialism or I have lived the American dream. Well, I think to your point just now, Wolf, I, I you know, she sounded almost robotic sometimes in her answers, just sort of repeating the same phrases. And again, that's been the consistent criticism of her uh, all the way along. But she did drive home the point uh, that there are a lot of things at stake with control of the Senate. Uh, she mentioned, obviously, her, her abortion views, uh, the, the fears that some have that there will be court packing uh, to try to minimize the, the conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Uh, so she really did try to make those arguments that will be uh, most important to those base voters that she needs to get to the polls uh, this time. But I, I think that she really had a hard time um, sort of explaining why why they should get out for her. You heard her talk a little bit more about her biography, uh, the fact that she grew up on a farm and she worked in the fields and that she was a waitress, but she didn't find any way to connect that to the struggles that many Americans are facing right now. She's really had a hard time sort of filling out her biography. You can take the almost out of what Maeve said. That was about as robotic a performance as you are ever going to see uh, in a debate. Uh, it was she almost made herself into like a, a, a human avatar of Republican talking points. But all of them were specifically targeted over and over and again. It kind of, uh, you know, a pinpointing the anxieties of the Trump base, the non-urban, uh, non-college in particular, uh, Trump base. She was not really engaging with anything that anyone and said it was almost as if you were putting coins in a jukebox and getting, you know, a, a four socialism, a six. Unfucking believable. I, I don't even think they care over there. There's fucking lists of shit that they're going after Lofner. And I'll read in a second, but Governor Cuomo, Lindsey Boyan, most toxic team environment working for. Name the worst job you ever had. Governor Cuomo. I've had, this is a woman, blue check, liberal. I've had many jobs, waitressing or friendlies as a teenager is an infinitely more respectful environment, even when I had bad customers who tipped poorly. If people weren't deathly afraid of him, they'd be saying the same thing, and you already know the story. Seriously, the message and text I received when I speak the truth about this is a whole book of people who have been burned and harmed. Don't be surprised, it's the same small group of white people sitting alongside him at every presser, the same group that he's had with him the whole time doing his dirty work. If you're not one of those handfuls, your life working for him is endedly dispirited. I tried to quit three times before it stuck. I've worked hard my whole life, hustled, fake it till you make it style. That environment is beyond toxic. And I'm a privileged person. I could opt out and eventually did. I shudder to think what happens to others. It pisses me off so much. Yes, I did not sign whatever they told me to sign when I left. No waiver or NDA. Yeah. That's them. But then you have Chris Saliza. That time Kelly Loeffner got caught. Whole articles bashing him. Pretty fucking sexist. Which brings us to the number 11, uh, 10 worst sexist attacks by Blue Check. Aaron, we're screaming Merry Christmas again. She's a cunt federate. 
a cunt and a Trump-hating loser worshiper. I can't call her a cunt because I myself am a cunt, but I try to use my cuntiness for good instead of evil. Original post. Kelly Lofter debated Ralph Warnock tonight ahead of special election on January 5th, but we were struck at the number of sexist attacks. Jonathan Chait. I've never seen a campaign before with such a sharp contrast and neck lengths. So he's dogging her neck. Manny Fidel, a business insider. I never heard Kelly Nofter speak until tonight. What kind of supervillain is she? Again, here are four different screenshots of Kelly Lofner during tonight's debate. I'm dead, seriously. I took four separate screenshots mocking her looks. Isha Taylor. These are all journalists. Surgeon, would you like the fear of aging package or the tepid reaction to sex treatment? Lofner, money's no objection. Inject me with terrified of mortality filler. Erica Diggs. Somebody said Kelly Lofner was high on Botox. Six, YouTuber Brian Tyler Cohn says she doesn't have any charisma. Seven, say what you will about Kelly Loeffner has been groundbreaking for the visibility of automation Americans. Eight, Katie Jacobs Stanton, who worked in the Obama White House. To be clear, I'm okay with Nicole Kidman is doing to look great at 50, but it's definitely not working for Kelly Loeffner. Writer Michael Marshall Smith Loeffner looks like a Netflix movie about a family moving in some new town after a tragedy in their lives, and little girl claims there's somebody haunting the house and nobody believes her, but in the final reel, they open the closet and it's Kelly Loeffner. And 10, I nominate Kelly Loeffner smirk for former senator. That's okay. Because the same people saying it are this idiot. We journalists should have been tougher on Mr. Trump, questioning in every lie and insult, writes Georgia Moss News. We should not have let him get away with racism and xenophobia. In comes Jim Acosta. With all due respect, the White House seized my press credentials after I called out Trump's xenophobia when he referred to a migrant caravan as an invasion. Some of us were calling out his lies, his racism, and dealt with serious death threats along the way. Inaccurate to say otherwise. Replies, when a journalist lies about his own story, which we all witnessed, how in the hell do they expect us to believe anything they say about others? Your obnoxious behavior at the White House event led to your creds being pulled. It was caught on film, Jimmy. You're lying. That's our media. When in a real world, our last story, before we head into reminiscing over the first, reminiscing, reminiscing over the first 500. Goya Food CEO, AOC called for boycott. Our sales jumped. They made her employee of the month. Now, I want you to think of that was a Republican. What would happen? Hmm. I think we know what would happen. So let's go into the 500 and we're going to have for our music break, my favorite skit I ever did. It's the FM radio jock, which I was pretty proud of this one. Hey. 80s, 90s, whatever. Mary FM. 
It's Big Larry in the morning crew. Top of the hour. Time for weather and traffic. Sponsored by Big Dogs Barbecue. The best barbecue roadkill east of the Mississippi. This week's special, raccoon sandwich fries and a sweet tea. $4.99. And tell them Big Larry sent you and get some boiled peanuts for 99 cents. Big Dogs Roadkill Barbecue. Whether fresh or a week old, we make it taste like barbecue sauce. Heading over to Chopper Dan, the eye in the sky, in the Z975 Chopper. How's traffic looking? Oh, 55 o'clock, on the way back to Murfreesboro for no apparent reason at all. I thought the east and west are total mess for no reason at all. And I-24 inbound is a hot steaming garbage fire. This is, of course, caught from perpetual construction that's been going on since the mid-90s, designed to fix a long jam, but seems to be never actually helping one single bit. For Z975 Chopper, this is Dan I in the Sky Traffic. And thanks, Chopper Dan. Now to Dan Thomas, WSMV Weather with today's forecast. Today you can expect sunny, partly cloudy to most of cloudy skies, a 50% chance of rain, hail, sleet, tornadoes, snow, and blizzard conditions, with a 30% of a hurricane forming right over Nashville. Right over Nashville. Hell. I, I have no clue whatsoever for its Tennessee, Kentucky weather, and it will change every day, and my forecasting ability is horrible. That's why I have my 400-year-old dog on the set every day. Doesn't even scratch his ass during the whole morning show. Hell, I don't even know if he's breathing. He's just a prop to cover up how much I suck. That's right, I suck. Well, that and us saying Doppler radar 400 times a show and have ads every day touting our real-time Doppler radar, the only one in Tennessee. Well, the rest of the channel say the same things, but we are the real one, the real only Doppler radar. You can believe me. If not, just ask my dog. Wow, Dan Thomas from WSMV Weather. Thanks for the forecast or total meltdown, whatever you want to call it. Uh, once again, traffic and weather brought to you by Big Dogs Roadkill Barbecue, the best barbecue east of the Mississippi. Now we're going to play one song because it's morning radio. We only play one song, then go back to weather and traffic, even though you live in a place that doesn't have a lot of traffic. And then we talk to each other and jerk each other off underneath the desk. So we're going to play a song from 1970 because we're still stuck in the 70s down here in the South. Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. From episode 44 which was aired on May 14th. America! Tony Reed! Tony Reed! Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundreds. And if you were here... Pukaskovs! Fireballs from his eyes. And bolts of lightning from his arse. Tony Reed! And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny, 
You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our Yes, we must get our regular bathroom. Yes, yes, yes. When we didn't have a booth and I recorded in hotel rooms, it surely didn't sound as good. And I definitely didn't understand the concept of uh, layering the volumes. (laughs) That's a little off. But that, of course, was the transgender bathroom shit at the end of the Obama administration and I remember driving across country, and we went a little long today, but I, it was a segment on my favorite uh, talk show host, God John Gibson. He got booted off Fox, and I stayed with him for a couple years, but uh, finally stopped paying the amount because I just didn't listen to it. And basically, I was just in shock. I knew the I knew the left was really into this liberal freaking idea of kids picking their own gender, but I didn't know they'd go all in like that, which of course they did. And that kind of, you know, was the first time I just was so excited to put together a script. I remember driving across the state of Georgia between my two stores and checking the store. And I stayed up to like 10 o'clock at night making a podcast. I was just so freaking pumped up, but many of these subjects were there but I would be remiss if I didn't thank Tom Kleeman, uh, <clears throat> all my brothers from Fort Irwin, who gave me a corner in the building called Coke's Corner, and I would talk politics that last year, because once again, it was E7 and above. It was an election year, 2004, and we did talk a little politics, and I would take a XM radio around and you know, when you're not around troops, you can do that. There's no violation. And we sit out in the desert and have a bonfire while the tr- the uh, troops are planning the next mission. And we would talk politics and listen to Hannity and Combs. Um, the last real, well, until Tucker, <clears throat> uh, cable show that I really watched on Fox. And we would talk about politics and there were liberals and there were conservatives and, and we'd have these great discussions, and they kept telling me to be the mayor of Clarksville when I came back. And it was just a joke. But instead, as the years went on, guys like Tom Kleeman out in uh, 
Tucson, one of my store managers like, you really should do a podcast. It would be interesting. And so I started it on my phone, and that bumper sound was our original bumper. It's a song by Nine Inch Nails that I got off a web a website, and I had to go into code and figure out how to get the song. And then I searched it, and it took forever, but uh, Me, I'm Not is a song. And we started on a phone in my living room. And then I went to a computer with the Samson travel mic. And then, of course, I think circa 2018, my sister bought me this beautiful blue microphone. And the wife said, here's some insulation. And we started doing a room. And then it turned into the bunker. And, you know, I still have problems with audio sometimes because I don't spend as much time as I could. But I thank everybody that helped me, including my wife and my sister who financed it. As we go into our next level, I know my wife's getting me a cam and a screen, which she didn't tell me she ordered it, but I saw it on Amazon, and I'll be able to project stuff and take it to the next level, but it's been a great hobby. I've just enjoyed it. It was spurned off of not really politics, but media bias, one of my biggest things. During the Clinton administration, I really started thinking, you know, hey, this isn't right. What the fuck? I got brothers that are losing their jobs, but, you know, and they're wrong. They shouldn't have been having sex with privates, but they lose their job and Bill Clinton can get a Hummer and that's okay. And it was just starting to wake me up to what our media was. And then as stated on the show numerous times, you know, we would watch CNN and over the years, CNN just started becoming this crazy, crazy, um, form of media that wasn't normal and then fox became more conservative and msnbc when i watched morning joe you had both sides and i remember during iraq because unfortunately you know i flew over and back and i didn't get a go because i was in school and the invasion was over and they sent me to the mojave and i had a month here where i just sat and drank guinness and watched msnbc coverage of the fall of iraq i watched it When I was in school, and then I watched it when I got here in the occupation, and it was a good network, but then it became just garbage. But, you know, there's just certain times the show has been exciting. That was one. Another one was CNN's Gun Town Hall. Was the blood of my classmates and my teachers worth your blood money? Uh, let's, let's move on to the, to the next question. Um... Excuse me? I'm a student. I should have... I know, I understand that, but your question... I thought you were going to ask Senator Nelson a question. Your your question sounds like you wanted to ask Dana Lash a question in the next segment, and I'm happy to do that if you want. Kids or guns? What do you value more? Never done Stop going back to your talking point, sir. On any issue. Sir, sir, why is the Glock federally regulated and a semi-automatic weapon, which we've seen in these circumstances? I'm sorry I'm getting angry about this. Who will be these domestic terrorists enablers. What are they afraid of? Marco Rubio, he's had a lot of nonsense uh, that's come out in the week since the shootings. And the state of Florida better get with it and pass this assault. So, um, uh, I hear you, and absolutely Connecticut can be a role model for what they did after Newtown. To them, the NRA is like the KKK. It's just some hostile force. And he is the one that tried to get this assault rifle ban bill put up 
for a vote. Thanks for your effort. What happened? This uh, line that guns are essential to American liberties, a hard one to stomach when so many thousands of people are dying every year for this, uh, for this uh, so-called uh, 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 liberty. I agree with you. A so-called uh, uh, right. Since the shooting, the president has barely uttered the word gun or guns yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, and much less gun control. We haven't heard that. Ken makes a good point in talking about, listen, let's have an open mind and let's have a full conversation. And I am actually glad that... An open mind, though, Van, doesn't mean being stupid. Come on, let's, well, let's be well, honest. Marco Rubio, you don't have to step up and be a man. Step up and be a human. There's a kind of toxic masculinity at the heart of this gun this gun culture, rooted in a myth about who we take ourselves to be. American rugged individualism, the government is not going to protect you, we can protect ourselves. You must be some kind of lousy loser hunter if you need an AR-15. But I strongly suspect that I am counted in the secret records of the NRA as a member. But there's so many different tracks to this because you have to get the guns that are out there back in. And they're, you know, millions. You can do, and they work. I will say you can do buyback programs. None would come on this morning. You would, but you're on the right side of this argument. Perspective, you were there. Uh, yes. How controlling was the network? How controlling were the producers and the team around that in terms of who's on the stage? Who gets to say what? How scripted was that town hall? The, the questions were chosen in advance. Uh, that was obvious because they were able to hand the microphone to the next person that was going mm. to speak or ask a question. I think at one point it got a little messed up because uh, one of the young men asked uh, Dana a question when she wasn't even on stage yet, uh, which I, I, I thought was uh, a little odd. And, you know, how much control did they have? I think once the emotions ran over, they had zero control. Yeah, but they had set the table. They, they, already, the they table. already set it up. That's true. And I, I will say I had to, you know, have you ever seen the Watchmen movie when uh, Rorschach gets locked into the cage and the other criminals come up and they're like, finally, we're going to get you. <laughs> and he says, no, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> That's the way I kind of felt uh, when they invited Dana to come down there last <laughs> night. Because she brought the truth and it stunned them and it shook them. Uh, I want to add one thing. While we're, you know, really feeling our, ourselves and, and pushing... Uh, conservative narrative by telling the truth, yeah. we have to make sure that we don't become fake news. And our right. friend Andrew Breitbart yes. would have been ashamed at some of the things that people who purport to be on our side have been pulling. I think it's important that we are better than the fake news That's in right. the back. That's right. We have to be more factual. Especially we always have to be above the board. Yeah. When you have a... I want to make this super obvious point. The government has proven that they cannot keep you safe. And yet, some people want all of us to disarm. You heard that town hall last night. They cheered the confiscation of firearms. And it was over 5,000 people. I had to have a security detail to get out. I wouldn't have been able to exit that if I did not have a private security detail. There were people rushing the stage and screaming, burn her. And I came there to talk solutions, and I still am going to continue that conversation on solutions as the NRA has been doing for before I was alive. 
But the government can't keep you safe, and some people want us to give up our firearms and rely solely upon the protection of the same government that's already failed us numerous times to keep us safe. And then they also call Trump a tyrant, but then say that they want the president to also confiscate our firearms. Try to figure that one out. You know, that day, I remember just being fired up. Um, I think I did like three or four podcasts on it. Just atrocious that that happened to Dana Loesch, who at least had the balls to show up. I mean, a lot of people just didn't. But it was when our media started becoming really violent. And hell, another one. Inauguration Day and the Women's March. My name is Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd is here. I am a feminist. And I want to say hello to Independence Avenue in the back, all the way down to 17th Street. Wow. And I bring you words from Nina Donovan, a 19-year-old in Middle Tennessee, and she has given me the privilege of telling you what she has to say. I am a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. Maybe the South actually is gonna rise again, maybe for some, it never really fell. Blacks are still in shackles and graves just for being black. Slavery has been reinterpreted as the prison system in front of people who see melanin as animal skin. I am not as nasty as a swastika painted on a pride flag. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler in these streets. A mustache traded for a toupee. Nazis renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide notes. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance, white privilege. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. But I know that this won't change anything. We cannot fall into despair. As the poet W.H. Auden once wrote on the eve of World War II, we must love one another or die. I choose love. Uh, let's get some quick thoughts from, uh, from Gloria Borger. Gloria? I, I think this was a, 
an unusual uh, inaugural speech. It was a continuation of the campaign very much. I, I think it was kind of a fist bump of a speech. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I campaigned on. And then he gave the kind of literal fist bump uh, when it was over. I, I think that I couldn't help but thinking about the president sitting sitting there uh, when he talked about the American carnage that they had presided over. I'm not quite sure that that would have gone over well with them. And I was also surprised that in some way he did not pay some tribute to Hillary Clinton. I expected, as George W. Bush did to Al Gore when they had a hard-fought fight, I thought that would have been a unifying uh, moment uh, for him, and I uh, he did not. I have to say... I think it's fair to say this is one of the most radical inaugural speeches we've ever heard. Uh, it was purely populist. It talked about the forgotten people. It attacked Washington while standing inside the center of Washington, D.C., surrounded by Washington insiders. There was nothing really particularly conservative about this Republican president's speech. It was pure populism. And, in fact, it looked at the United States and the role of the United States in a way that departures greatly from what we've heard from all of his predecessors on the stage, Obama, Bush, Carter. Um, but I have to say, I think, I think it will go down in history as one of the most radical speeches ever given by a president. But it was a dark, a dark view, even a pessimistic view of where we are at the moment. Um, the statistics would tell you illegal border crossings are down. Didn't sound like that from the speech. The statistics would tell you we have 4.7% unemployment. He talked about how terrible things were and how horrible it was in the country. He spoke of gangs and drugs and American carnage. Uh, at a time again, the outgoing president, I think, would tell you not that there aren't problems in America, but that crime is largely under control in America. And now he's come Thank along you. with a statement that firmly embraces a progressive liberal agenda that's very much in the tradition of King and of Lincoln. I thought it was a marvelous speech, and it's brave, and it's bold, and I think it's going to play well in history. Um, not enough people are talking about the climate change part. It's an iconic speech. Will conservative media outlets play along with Trump's lies? Will they claim he's telling the truth? Or will conservative outlets respect their readers enough to call BS on BS? Finally, what can all newsrooms do to help you know what's really going on? These are uncomfortable questions, especially these last ones. But it's time to ask them. Do citizens in dictatorships recognize what's happening right here, right now? Are they looking at the first two days of the Trump administration and saying, oh, that's what my leader does. What should we learn from them today? I highly doubt we'll be hearing people say, uh, we're going to blow up the White House, nor will we have riots and burning. I mean, they didn't even cover that they were burning shit down. And then during this last couple of years, you know, it, it has been banner, I hate to say it, if you're a podcaster like me looking for subjects about media bias, because they just come back to back to back. I mean, here's uh, the walls are closing. Peaceful protesters and Jesse Smollett. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. 
it is not uh, it is not generally speaking unruly but fires have been started and and first thing I want to make perfectly clear this has been almost entirely peaceful in fact completely peaceful it's been a mostly peaceful protest but then they chose to move in uh, many of these protests have been largely peaceful mostly peaceful mostly peaceful mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm looking at those live pictures next to you, and they seem very peaceful. There are always folks on the fringes of protests that do the things that uh, we, don't, we don't like. A few people who break a few windows and burn a few cars. They just threw something on fire, Chris, a firecracker. Something's on fire. No one should be destructing uh, property and that sort of thing. But I understand the anger. Discount people who are doing things to public property that, that they shouldn't be doing. It does have to be understood that this city has got, uh, for the last several years, an issue with police. So many good people out there who want change and who are demanding change. Our country was started because this is how the Boston Tea Party rioting. So don't do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before. And then this is so terrible. And where are we and these savages and all of that? This is how this country was started. It's yeah. often always kicks in. Um, I think the the way he had outlined or sort of uh, the, the way the facts were put out, it was a little too perfect. That doesn't work. Come on a show like this or any of my other colleagues and sit down with us live for an hour or however long it takes. Answer the questions that need to be answered from real journalists. I shouldn't say that. From journalists who don't have to worry about the entertainment arm of their particular well, company. I... In the court of public opinion, Jussie has lost. He's right. lost the fight in the court of yeah. public opinion. Yeah. And that's where his battle is. Whether legally... If he has to go, whatever he has to serve, if it's jail time, if he has to do probation, if he has to pay, whatever. But in the court of public opinion, it, it matters. It, it matters. And he lost yeah. that because of how, and, and not his fault, maybe people were, I don't know what they were saying to him, How maybe because of his representatives. I, who, uh, who knows? I, I don't know. But it was handled poorly. Fault. I don't know if it's not his fault, Don. The you fact think is, it's his fault? You think he was is, doing what he wanted? Well, he went out and he gave the interview. On what we ignore, we empower. You just said that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I agree with you. And also, I'm, I know this is going to be controversial. So, to challenge all the supporters of this president, when you said to John Kasich, I know people who support Donald Trump. They're not bigots. But for people who look like me, other minorities, women who have been... Well, let's just leave this to race. This president has said and done so many insensitive and bigoted and racist things that if you support for him, you, if you support him, people like me want to understand why you ignored so much in order to support this man. You may not think you're a racist. Maybe I, I don't know if you are. I, I don't think you know every Trump supporter is a racist, but you certainly had to overlook racism and bigotry in order to make that decision. Now then, maybe you made that decision in the, in, the, in the voting booth. And then now, even after all of this, if you still, in your mind, can support this person 
why the hell are you overlooking racism so much? It is personal and even deadly to people like me. That is important. I think this is a big moment for Trump supporters. It is very hard for people to look at what Steve King was saying. His plea of ignorance, whatever, you know, that, that's about him. If he's not smart enough to know that what he's saying is stupid, that's on him. But for those who support the president, this is a testing moment right now. And this choice echoes to all who comprise America's matrix of minorities, who fear being treated as less than. Blacks, Latinos, ethnics, LGBT, too. None is welcome in that message of hate. Still worse, the president's quiet forces the suggestion that he supports what he fails to oppose. Factor this in. Karen Pence is the wife of the vice president. She's teaching art at a place where the application requires would-be employees to initial next to a list of beliefs, including certain moral misconduct, includes homosexual or transgender identity as being disqualifying, or any other violation of the unique roles of male and female. Now, don't cheapen my argument by saying Cuomo's equating Christianity and white power. Please. That's, a, that's a, just a, a slip of an obvious point. I am a flawed, failing, repentant Christian. Okay, if I had any bias, it would be in favor of faith. The point is that the value of exclusion is embraced here. And our vice president's wife, in the place where she is, it does the same thing. And it adds to the anxiety for people around why this White House, why this president doesn't speak out against a member of his party that embraces a message that isolates the same kinds of people that are being singled out where the vice president's wife works. The there are moments when you do the right thing. God forbid you and I are out, which, you know, happens on a regular basis. Somebody comes up, says something ugly to you. It happens. Who knows what happens to me for you doing that? You embrace them. You hug but, them. But yeah, I hug them. I hug them with three <laughs> knuckles that make their eyes roll into their head and they wake up seven minutes with a headache later. The point is you stand up against the ugly people and you do what has to be done in the moment because none of us tolerate that kind of BS. That's what you do for the people you care about. The president's job is to care about all of us. Yeah. And he's got to stand up against it. And you can't let him get away with <clears throat> saying nothing. Either you're for King. But Republicans now, with this, I think, could make such a significant statement by forcing him to resign. But will Republicans now step up to the plate with Donald Trump? Because he has been using, I think, the border wall as sort of this dog whistle for racism. The government is still shut down, and I think it's all about, let's not let all these brown people in, right? Unless they're working for farmers, unless they're working in agriculture. So now will the Republican Party step up to him and say, we don't want but this Sonny, there are anymore? 40, there's 42% of this country that mm -hmm. support the wall. Are they all racist? <laughs> That's a good question. No, no, no. I'm, a, I'm asking a, you that. that. that I don't, a, I don't think so. I don't think so. I is think Donald, there are a lot of people is, that is, believe in I don't security. Know. Is Donald Trump racist? Duh. A horrifying racist incident marring NASCAR's reopening at the Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama, where a noose was found in Bubba Wallace's garage stall. NASCAR saying it is outraged. This comes two weeks after Wallace, who is NASCAR's only full-time black driver, convinced the stock car racing series to ban Confederate flags at its tracks and facilities. A plane also flew overhead this weekend, trailing a Confederate flag with a banner saying, Defund NASCAR. Wallace tweeting overnight, today's despicable act of racism and hatred leaves me incredibly saddened and serves as a painful reminder of how much further we have to go as a society 
and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. Well, joining me now is Jamel Hill, contributing writer for The Atlantic and host of the Spotify podcast. Jamel Hill is unbothered. We're all bothered by this. This is just such a, a dreadful a dreadful turn when here Bubba, Bubba Wallace had been so courageous in standing up for what he believes in and in changing the sport. Uh, yeah, I mean, for him, um, you know, what he's done, how he's been able to speak to some issues that, frankly, you pretty much never see discussed in NASCAR. And for the blowback and the reminder, the painful reminder of just how much people are invested in remaining and maintaining racist institutions, for him to get that message, um, I think uh, it's just beyond unfortunate. It's sad. Um, but NASCAR, they've had to deal with maybe not directly nooses and stalls, but the shadow of the Confederate flag being considered a symbol that you often saw at NASCAR races, these very overt reminders about who this sport is exactly for and who should be a fan of this sport. Um, this is something that they've been dealing with a long time. And unfortunately, in this way, these issues bubble to the surface. And that had to be an impediment to NASCAR reaching out to a broader audience, as well as having more drivers uh, be want to even be part of the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people of color, if you've attended a NASCAR race or even thought about it, there are just certain symbols and a certain mood and a certain sentiment that has been bubbling at the surface of NASCAR events. And NASCAR has been trying to somewhat move away from it and I say somewhat in kind of air quotes, but at the same time, you know, as someone who's attended um, several NASCAR races there, it's hard for people of color to feel comfortable in these environments. When you see the Confederate flag everywhere, when you just get this sense that you're at something that you're not welcome at, um, as much as NASCAR may try to distance itself from that, it's a living, breathing part of their sport. And you have a black driver, you have an opportunity here to open this sport up in a new way. And so for this reminder, this very stunning, shocking, appalling, disgusting reminder of who, again, this sport is for, um, I'm very curious as to see how NASCAR handles this, because based off what everything I've read is that this had to be an inside job because this garage was only open to essential personnel. So somebody associated with NASCAR likely may have been the culprit, which what does that say for a sport that's trying to create uh, a more positive racial future? You have an update, by the way, on an FBI investigation involving the NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. I don't mean right. to take a bit of a turn here, but we got this breaking news and it's, um, well, it's important to get it out there. What do you got, Pete? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, remember, Bubba Wallace said he found this noose, and so the FBI was investigating whether there was some sort of a hate crime here, and now they say no, there wasn't, and here's why. They say they've now concluded that that noose was in the specific garage, garage number four at NASCAR, as early as last October, October of 2019. Bubba Wallace didn't get assigned that garage until last week. And so the Justice Department says there's no way that whoever put that noose there would have known that Bubba Wallace was ultimately going to be assigned that specific garage. So they say there's there's no... 
Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. The beginning of the end? Beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. We begin tonight with a bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way. Know how. Breaking news. An absolute bomb. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles Hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest tipping point for the Trump administration. What historic day the bombshells he's underwater he feels the walls closing in turning point we may be at a tipping point it's the beginning of the end the beginning of the end another bombshell 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 this is a bombshell it is a sake none of that is true none of it bubba false jussie lie walls closing in lie peaceful protest lie it's all fucking lies non-stop and then you get these that they won't report here's the montage that i played a million times but i'm gonna play it because it's part of this 500 this is the catch capstone to our 500th. I mean, just Dems COVID montage and calling for violence. To New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and 
come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. You get out and you create a crowd! Get up in the face of some Congress people. We can. Domestic enemies are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress. I think Democrats are ignoring this problem. The NYPD is reporting 28 shootings from just over the weekend. That's a 600% increase. We're seeing the same thing here in Los Angeles. Our homicides have been up 32%. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. We've got four blocks in Seattle that you just saw pictures of that is more like a block party. We had two murders, multiple shootings, rape, robbery, assault. We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. We need a revolution in order to overthrow this system, bring a whole new communist world into being. Fundamentally transform the country. We ain't about to wait until the next election. We about to go get that motherfucker. I mean, it's literally all part of why we had the riots. Why a current story. New L.A. County DA George Gaskin is issued a directive to prosecute prosecutors that the following misdemeanors will be declined for prosecution with exceptions. Exempt with exemptions, excuse me. Trespassing, disturbing the peace, driving without a license, prostitution, resisting arrest. They're they're just you're just for it. It's a hundred percent for violence. Because they know violence works. It scares people. So that's what's really kept the podcast going. And then, of course, the woke stuff. One of my favorite all time. uh, We had a bunch about rape poems and all that shit. And, you know, just to start off on the women's stuff. Here's my trans rape poem sketch we're in his room after the party a few drinks and then everything was warm and smoothed over and then this moment quickly punctured by supposedly sweet whispers that felt like barbed wire to me come on don't you love me? his hands pushed 
me back. Warning! It's that time again. Time for another rape poem. The audience sighs just back in their seats. Oh boy, you say these bitches are about to go off. Off about rape and pain. And no, I said no. He, he didn't, didn't listen. listen. And you ask, why another rape poem? Didn't, didn't I just hear like three of these? Yeah, you probably did. I'm surprised in a country where someone is sexually assaulted every two minutes. Oh. Trauma is a truth. My leash is a cliche. Why you sit back and ask? Why so many damn rape poems? We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems. America had listened the first time. As if these poems were the fairs to be in this fucking country like apple pie and roofies. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if our bodies were ours alone. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if everyone knew what no meant. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if Budweiser stopped selling our bodies stretched across the six pack. And maybe we wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if everyone would listen to this one. But it seems to us. These lessons have yet to be learned. Don't tell me she was sober enough to make a decision. Don't tell me she was asking for Don't it. Don't tell me to pity him for making for consequences. Do you complain about another rape poem? But this is all part of a culture. The, the rape, rape poems will continue. Until I can wear whatever I want and not be called a slut. Until I can trust my drink to someone at a party when I need to take a piss. Until I can walk alone on dark streets and not be cat. Calls. Who's your dad? Get back over here. Ah, damn, look at that ass. Until I can wear heels without being asked who I'm trying to impress. Until my voice speaks louder than my outfit. Until I'm not expected to carry pepper spray on my keychain. Until no really means no. Until rape means crime. Until woman means human. The rape poems will continue until there is no damn material left. Trans people have vaginas too. It's just been crazy. We've had nothing but protest on top before they burned. So I actually made two skits to kind of sum up subject. A millennial resist in the basement and a normal American at a resist protest. Chips are so good. They're so good. Alright. Yeah, I go over to my computer. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta do something. Let's just see. I'm gonna check on things. Let's just go to. Oh, I can't even type this morning, man. It's so hard. It's just so hard. I'm gonna do this. Really, let's see. Spicer spins out. Won't deny New York Times Nunes report. Yeah, yeah. New York Times reveals names of official help Nunes obtain. Wow, man, they got him. They got him. Man, I'm gonna tweet that out. Let me, let me tweet this. Jackasses, I hate him. All right, what's what's my calendar today? 
Oh, yeah, i got to make a new chant for the protest this weekend. What protest is it? I think I have two. Okay. Saturday, making, making, uh, make signs for EPA protest. Yeah, it's going to be at the Starbucks. Yeah, that's going to be good. And Sunday is the pro-woman's march. God, I wish I could have an abortion so I could tweet that out. I would just love to do that. Oh, crap. I had a class today. I totally forgot. Totally forgot I got class. I'm going to miss it. Crap. Son? <clears throat> yeah, Mom. I, I'm up. Did you make me breakfast? You know, Trump canceled the Obama EPA regulations. I'm, I'm in mourning. I need breakfast. I need breakfast. Oh, honey, it will be fine. Mom, the planet is going to die. We will be extinct. Michael Moore tweeted that. He is so brave. Son, we need to talk. Dad, I'm not your son. I told you, I am gender fluid. I do not identify as a misogynistic, hateful man. And when you call me son, I am so offended. You are ruining my self-confidence in... Sean. Dad, it's Susan. How many times do I have to say it? Cliff, he's going through a rough time as Trump is president. You need to support him. He's very vulnerable. Cut the crap, Patty. He needs to get a job. For Christ's sake, have you seen his cell phone bill? And the college courses are killing our retirement. I mean, who goes to college for six years? Dad, I'm going to be a doctor. Then why are you taking women's study in white privilege 101? Those are required, Dad, and how can I help patients when the world oppresses women like me and whites get a better chance at everything due to their whiteness? Sweet Lord, where in the fuck do you get this shit? You know you're not a woman and you're white, son. I am a race and gender, I feel. I'm your paternal, I hate your paternal lifestyle. It's so abnormal and hateful. Oh, fuck this shit! Mom, can't you make him understand? He is ruining my life! Oh, honey, he's trying. It's just a, a lot to take in. Well, he needs to get over it. Okay, honey. Uh, I made your favorite gluten-free carob chip pancake with non-GMO organic syrup. Do you want me to bring it down to you, honey? No, I'll be up in a bit. I have to iron my pantsuit and make some signs for my women's march on Sunday. Oh, okay, honey. Uh, uh, I'll see you in a bit. Oh, that's a picture of Trump. I, I hate seeing Trump. It's not fair. Oh, wait a minute. I, I can talk normal again. Okay. Um, let's go over here, man. I, I'm gonna get some shit done. I, I am. Mika's so fierce. I love Mika. I love her. She's so awesome. Ivanka Trump Twitter page. Oh, she is so pretty. She is so pretty. I hate her kids. God, another picture of her kids. Fucking horrible. Why should they be happy? Too bad your kid is the devil's son. Send. Yeah. 
fucking hate Trump. I hate those losers. Wow. Mika is so hashtag persist. Huh. Over to Hillary one. I'm, uh, I'm going to go to Hillary one. Yes. Oh, if it wasn't so sure, she's, she's such a queen. Hillary was so awesome. So awesome. God, I'm hungry again. I'm gonna eat some more chips. I think I'll wear my blue pantsuit. I will look so fierce. So fierce. What's that? What's going on? NBC is reporting that um, the AP is reporting there is no proof of collusion between the Trump administration and Russia. We have not confirmed this ourselves, nor will we ever. But once again, the AP is confirming there is no collusion between Russia and President Trump. No! So, do you come to these often? Oh, yeah. I come to these all the time. You have to. We have to show Trump he's not going to change all the policies of Obama. Turn the clock back on gay rights, transgender rights, women's rights. Oh, uh, I don't think you can do that, but cool. I guess this is your thing. You need to think about it, Tony. I mean, either you are with us or you're with Trump. Wow, that's pretty harsh, but okay, I'm here, I'm your friend, so I came. Protesting isn't really my thing, but I'll, I'll see what it's like. So, so what is that group over there in, in the Black Hood? Um, that's the Antifada, Antifada, yeah, yeah, they're anti-fascist group. Why, why are they trashing a Starbucks? Isn't Starbucks part of your, like, thing, part of the movement and stuff? They are just sending a message to all the corporate fascists who are running our country. They just serve coffee. They can't run the country. How are they fascists? They just are, dude. They just are. Why are those women wearing those pink hats? That lady's wearing a vagina suit. What the fuck? The hats are in protest of Trump's terrible statements. Misogynistic pussy grab. You know the video. So they were pussies to say it was horrible for grabbing a pussy. Yes, they are. They're co-opting his horrible comments. That lady just said, "Keep Jesus out of my pussy." That's freaking horrible. She is fierce. She's taking it to the administration. Wow. Totally taken back on how vulgar they are. What is that group over there? They just called for dead cops. They are Black Lives Matter. What, have you lived under a rock? That group is super powerful. They protest the abuse and institutional racism that law enforcement agencies nationwide oppress people of color with. But there are cops here protecting this protest, allowing people to break shit and trash businesses. How are they oppressing people? No, man, they shouldn't even be here. They're suppressing our free speech by just being present. Oh. 
Wow, dude, you are really into this shit. Shit? We are saving democracy. It's not shit, Tony. Dude, everyone here is vulgar, cursing. There are kids here. And people are walking around screaming obscenities. Hell, I've heard the F-bomb more in the last 15 minutes than I've heard all week. People are saying kill cops, kill Trump, and kill white people. Dude, this is worse than when I see it on TV. This is democracy, Tony. This is democracy. These people are patriots, Tony. Patriots? I've read four signs that say soldiers are killing people in Mosul. I mean, dude, I serve. Those dudes are patriots. They're keeping the world safe. These protesters are just sore losers. Sore losers? What do you mean? Hillary won the popular vote, Tony. She should be the president. Dude, that isn't how it works. Did you pay attention at school? Electoral vote, man. Electoral vote. Well, she would have won electorally if Trump hadn't have colluded with the hackers and stole the election. Did they just chant reject Russian president? Dude, there's no proof of that, bro. There's proof Obama violated law with monitoring the Trump campaign. There's no collusion proof. Why doesn't anyone here know that? Dude, you need to stop watching Fox News, man. You sound like a Russian lackey. I read on HuffPo this morning that the smoking gun is coming and, and any day Trump is toast. Dude, HuffPo, really? It's like Breitbart. Wow, dude, you really changed. Listen, I'm going to take off. This isn't really my deal, and I swear to God, I'm here the F-bomb or somebody's vagina or shit one more time. I'm going to implode. I, I curse like crazy, bro, but for the first time in my life, I'm offended. You have changed, too. You're a Russian sympathizer and a fascist. You support Trump by not protesting Trump or something. I, I can't talk to you anymore, Tony. That's cool. I have enough friends, bro. I don't do the groupthink thing. Later, I'm getting out of here. Well, you just leave. You just leave and go hide. I'm going to keep protesting Trump for the next four years. But a driver, before we went to the summer of let's burn the fucking country down, uh, for those who are new to the show, we had gay shit. Which was all the gay stuff. And for the record, uh, when the elves beat up somebody, it wasn't the gay person. When I re-listened to him, my wife said, somebody's going to think you're gay bashing. And I was like, oh God, I didn't think of that. It was AOE who got beat up for the record. That's who got beat up. But we also had college crazy and everything, which is why we had so many skits that I've been playing. And I know we're long, but... I would be remiss if I didn't play all the gay stuff that we have done on this show. And it's about children. Once again, I don't give a fuck if you fuck a goat or want to be a goat when you're an adult. But children, it is just so wrong. So here's a a montage of Desmond Amazing. A segment off Little Big Shot about a gay activist. Gay Santa. It's just fucking stupid. 
And if you haven't heard the name Desmond Napolis, get ready for this trailblazing 11-year-old drag kid who RuPaul is calling the future. His bravery is inspiring so many. We're going to talk to him in just a moment, but first, let's take a look at his amazing story. I'm Desmond. I'm 11 years old, and I like pizza, trains, and drinking root beers and just caffeine-free. I also do drag, and I love to put on makeup, dresses, and wigs, and of course, jewelry is necessary. My full drag name is Desmond's Amazing. I feel very happy to have a mom that accepts me. It really touches me deeply that there are other children out there that he's reaching and they're listening to him and he's influencing them to be themselves. I'm very proud of him. I'm proud that he's found his path so early. My greatest joy in this is just seeing Desmond happy. I love doing drag because it makes me feel amazing and self-expressive. It just feels amazing to know that people love what I do. My one big message would be three words, be yourself always. day 
to help make people feel like they are loved, that they belong, and that they are safe from ridicule and injustice when they are with me. As the kid governor, I was able to put into real action some things that I knew would help the LGBTQ students immediately. I produced a webinar that showed teachers and administrators across the country how they can help their LGBTQ students feel more safe and loved within their schools. I also created a handbook for elementary students who would like to start a gender and sexuality alliance in their schools. We call it the Pride Hope Love Club. Students can feel pride in who they are, bring hope to those who need it, and show love to everyone no matter who they are. My job is not over. All of our jobs are not over. We must continue to fight for equal rights for all people. So please go out and show patience, kindness, and understanding and love to everyone you see. You never know who may really need to feel like they are valued today. There's a new children's book out this Christmas. Takes us inside Santa's wedding. We meet Santa's husband, David. We're going to talk to the author and the illustrator ahead. Still ahead, a holiday children's book tells the story of Santa Claus with a fresh new twist. There are some families, though, not so happy about the book's maybe not-so-hidden agenda. Yeah, they call it a political agenda. We have the author and the illustrator here with us live to talk about their new book, Santa's Husband. My message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? So pretty much all those have been the driver that has fed 500 episodes of this little old Bush League podcast of a fat guy in a basement. And you, of course. Thank you for everybody who listens. I don't know most of you. There's podcasts that I look back when I was digging some of this up. I've had 200, 300 listens. It's amazing. It really humbles me because I'm just a dude in a basement. I, I know I'm not that professional. I say some fucked up shit, but... Without you, I wouldn't be able to do this, because if nobody was listening, I wouldn't do it. And I'm really thankful that you've supported, for those that have been here for the entire time, thank you, Clifton, New Jersey, California, a bunch of different places have always been listening, a buddy in Germany has been listening, and I really thank you for it. So, without much further ado, we'll play our last thing. It was our first, I believe. It was the first time we just didn't do political, and it's on my phone. 
And somehow I found this. This was my first social commentary on the link between vegan and LGBT, which they're linked because they both don't make sense. If you're gay, once again, you want a lumberjack if I'm a guy. I want a hairy beast, not a guy that acts like a woman. And I wouldn't use phalluses that are penises if I was lesbian because I wouldn't like penises. And vegans love to eat shit that tastes like meat, but they're not meat. I've had Boca Burgers, all right? So this was my first stab before we had a news and social media roundup, before we had Woke. This is me in my living room. And it'll take us into This is America. All right, social commentary. Today, what do vegans and the LGTB community have in common? Very interesting. This is definitely not safe for work because most of the references I'm going to come up with, which I've done this as a stage act every once in a while if anybody's been around me long enough and I've been bored, we're going to be referencing some dirty things. But first and foremost, we know that vegans are people who do not eat meat. They don't want meat products. Most of them don't want milk, eggs, anything that comes from an animal because meat is murder. Oh, yeah, meat is murder. I still remember a time when my daughter went into her vegan stage and she'd bring me back to a computer and I'd have to watch like Alec Baldwin talk about the murder and mistreatment of cows and they'd have some cow getting hacked up or whatever. And I would always do that with a burger in my hand used to piss her off, but it was a lot of fun. And I would just eat a burger while I was watching it. Go, That's just horrible. But it's your taste good. And it lasted until she got poor. And then, of course, she started eating meat again. Like, you know, most of them do. There's very few people that stick with it very long. Because at the end of the day, you need a friggin' hamburger. And so, that's reference number one. Reference number two is LGTB. And we're going to go into this segment. Uh, referencing to make this analogy. Because I'm twisting this into a, you know crazy tick that I have, we're going to use lesbians, okay? We're going to go lesbians. And lesbians are women inherently are in love with other women. They don't like men. Men are bad. So my juxtaposition between the both of them is that all vegans that I have ever known eat things, and if you walk through Kroger or you walk through your local grocery store, They're eating things that are flavored like meat. They eat these mushroom hamburgers made out of kale and algae. And it's flavored with a meat flavor that they shouldn't want to have, correct? Because they don't like meat. And then with your lesbians, they despise men. Men are horrible things. They're just horrible creatures walking this earth. Those male, male, misogynistic, evil men who run the world as males and control and it should be girl power. But yet they use phalluses made out of plastic that resemble penises. So my thought process has always been... If you are in one of these classified groups, why are you doing what you or against because it just doesn't make any sense to me if I was a vegan my whole life I'd just want to eat stuff that's not animal I'd love salad and as I stated kale and carrots and 
beans. I would eat all those things because meat's evil. And if I was a lesbian, and, you know, if I get a little fatter, I might have some man tits that were actually bigger. So I might actually start resembling one, especially if I just do a crew cut. And, um, yeah, it could happen. I mean, I hope it doesn't, but it could actually happen where I could walk around little man boobs. And somebody could mistake me for a lesbian, and, and I would only want vagina. I would only want a woman. I want all women. That's all I'd want. And if I was a gay guy, I want the big, biggest, hairiest, just ape-like man. Big, hairy ass. not saying I do. I'm just saying that's what I'd go for, right? Because you just want men. But yet, at the end of the day, when you break down these groups... You have the vegans that are eating products that are meat-tasting. You have lesbians who have one of them looking like a dude. The other one's a woman when they get married. One's wearing a tux. The other one's wearing a dress. You have dudes that are gay where one of them's very feminine and one of them's very masculine. They mask the roles that are just like in hetero world. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. Santa, and it's viral now, and the war on Christmas is already starting. The Attorney General of Michigan, I remember the first time I was at a store with my son and an employee said Merry Christmas to us. My son looked devastated and asked, are we the only people who don't celebrate Christmas? I answered, no, and we are just as American as everyone else. Glad Joe Biden knows that. The Hill, President Trump. I said you're going to be saying Christmas again, and we say it proudly again. Democrats will be trying to take the word again 
out of the vocabulary. Dana, Dana Nessel. Saying happy holidays this time of year does not denigrate Christianity. It simply acknowledges and respects the great diversity of our nation. Kurt Schlister. This is the stupidest tweet ever. Combining bad parenting with this bizarre desire to be martyr in the face of somebody saying something pleasant to her. What a jerk. Grow up. Jason Epstein. Grow up. You should have just replied with happy holidays and moved on. I tell Jewish people happy Hanukkah and they say Merry Christmas. And we continue on with our lives and nobody's hurt. Last one, chick on the right. If your kid was devastated by someone wishing you a Merry Christmas, you're doing parenting wrong. And it's true. But there'll be a shitload of articles coming out. Then you get this. Don't you love anonymous letters like the one we told you about in August that compelled a woman to tell her neighbor they were going to hell because of Trump campaign sign? This is even better. This letter addressed simply to neighbor chastises a Minnesotan homeowner for their harmful display of Christmas lights that are a reminder of systemic biases. Crime Watch, Minneapolis. St. Anthony's resident received an anonymous letter chastising them for Christmas lights display and calls it a reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or can't afford to put up lights their own. It further calls the lights harmful. And I'm going to try to blow this up. I couldn't help but notice your Christmas lights. You know what? Let's just do this with some background music. Yep, they're all Grinches. Let me turn it down just a little bit. Okay. I couldn't help but notice your Christmas light display during these unprecedented times. We have all experienced challenges, which casual words just don't describe what we're feeling. The idea of twinkling colorful lights are a reminder of divisions that continue to run through our society. A reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or who can't afford to put up a Christmas. I'm sure Ilian Omar up there is going to say, free lights for everybody. We must do the work of educating ourselves about the harmful impact on outward facing displays like yours. I challenge you to respect the dignity of all people while striving to learn from differences, ideas, and opinions of our neighbors. We must come together collectively and challenge these institutional inequities. St. Anthony is a community welcoming, welcoming of all people, and we must demand better of ourselves. Why then is your whole letter, you need to change? What the fuck? And the lights are one string of Christmas lights down the eve and a wreath. That A wreath. What the fucking fuck is wrong with people? Replies, I cannot roll my eyes harder. The receipt should make his house visible from space. Somebody says Griswold. I'm going to tell you right now, if they were in my neighborhood, I have a 20-foot 
sleigh blow up. The damn thing's 12 feet long and 20 feet fucking high. I have a projector, real living projection that plays a movie all night, like six different vignettes on a big 20 foot, uh, 10 foot Santa. I have freaking lights all over the windows, wreaths on the fucking windows. I have reindeer. I have sleigh with reindeer actually floating because I hung them off wire and they all light the fuck up. I got a polar bear that moves his fucking head. And if I got a letter like this, I would just hang up more lights for the record. That's, that's what I do. I just hang up more lights because in the end all these letters are the same all the protests are the same every sjw lgbt blm antifa our fucking media are all the same you must think like us live like us If you don't like lights and you don't like Merry Christmas, suck it up, buttercup. This Minneapolis person should be more upset about why the fuck did a bunch of -of out-of-staters burn my fucking city down because a guy who took a lethal dose of fentanyl-laced meth had a cop put his knee on his neck. The cop was wrong. And Freddie Gray was wrong, and he was already going to die. And then a bunch of out-of-staters, financed by Kamala Harris, decide to come in and burn your shit down. That, my friends, would make me a little more upset than somebody with a light. Some Christmas lights. So, it's one of many. We'll have plenty of articles before Christmas is here because liberals hate Christmas because liberals hate Christians liberals hate fucking America they hate all the traditions they hate every holiday they just hate they're people that hate and that's why I do a podcast and I bash them more than conservatives as an independent Because they have infested our schools, our colleges, our media, our Hollywood, every goddamn movie, every t-shirt, every TV show is nothing but SJW bullshit. So that wraps up the 500th episode of Flower Politics Podcast. Excuse the time overage, but I did go back and play a lot of old sound bites. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-L-Y-O-V-E-R-P-O-L-I-T-I-K at Outlook.com. Flyover Politic with a K at Outlook.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Twitter account at FopTonyReed. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Deck the halls with Bowser Holly and give a middle finger to people that are telling you how to live your fucking life. And then tune in on the 13th of December, Year of Our Lord 2020, this Sunday, for our next exciting episode. As always, I thank every damn one of you for listening. I thank everybody who pushed me to do this hobby. I enjoy the hell out of it. And I'm very, very humbled and appreciative that you even take the time to listen. As always, take care.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FockTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots of this country will never bow down.